Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy... Another edition of Swoop Swirl on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Exactly, man. Exactly. By the time you get used to it, that's where I've been. We all got to pull the rug out. Exactly. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to tonight. Our, our guest, uh, Shelley, uh, Walter Dominguez and Shelley Morrison, will be joining us. Uh, got a movie out called Weaving the Past, A Journey of Discovery. You know, uh, we had them on uh, a while back, so we get, to, yeah. we get to talk to them again and, and uh, get more info on the movie. And I, I had a chance to watch the movie. Really interesting story, so looking forward to chatting with them. Of course, uh, AD will be calling in a little bit later, and uh, we got T-Bone's time out, brewskis, and all the usual shenanigans. How's your week been? It's been okay. Yeah. You know, kids are, as I previously mentioned uh, before the show started, uh, kids are out of the camp, so that means a lot less to and fro, but that also means I got two kids to entertain. So <laughs> we spent the last couple of days on the beach, which has been nice. Uh, it was, like, warm, but not... You know, sweltering right. like we had last week. So, uh, water's actually water's quite warm. So, it's it was we had two good days. Really? Yeah. How about you? Oh, you know, just doing uh, just stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get things organized, you know, all that kind of stuff. Get ready to take a little trip to see the folks, and uh, that's a bit about it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, T-Bone? Uh, you know, I got uh, got out of town this weekend. Got right. right. Got in the car and headed up good old Highway 395 up to Mammoth, and That's got right. to experience the Blueza Palooza and Bruise Fest. And you went to this last year, didn't you? Yes, this yeah. was my third huh. third year running, and I was I had a little bit more foresight this time, and I tried <laughs> to photo document every beer that I tasted. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and they give you like a six ounce tasting glass. Some uh-huh. of them only pour like three or four ounces. Some of them towards the end of the day when they're like, we're not gonna run out. <laughs> That's right. We're gonna fill this. Let's make this. Up. Let's make this thing light. <laughs> I, I snapped photos of thirty nine different beers that nice. I tasted. Thirty nine. I don't know how many I missed. I, nice. I think I was pretty on it. I might have missed one or two. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and say I missed two. So. Did uh, were they like every kind of beer or is it? A focus. It was everything. Uh, there were 80 or so breweries there. Wow. Including all of our That's California favorites. Yeah. And, you know, Stone was there. Beachwood was there. Nice. Uh, all the San Diego County ones were there. You know, one that we're tasting later, uh, Mother Earth mm-hmm. Brewing was there. Good. Actually, Fallbrook Brewing Company, a, a new little micro, micro, micro brew in downtown Fallbrook, California was there. Um <laughs> I had to check it out as a, a as an expat, um, but I, I ran into a guy I went to high school with who goes there every year too, and so that was that was fun. Uh, got to see Jabroni, get him wasted for his birthday. <laughs> it was a good weekend. Yeah, sounds like sounds, sounds like, like a good it. Time, yeah, man. exactly. Oh, let's take a second here, first break, and come back and uh, get to talk to our guests. Sounds good. Listen to Swoops on the Talk Story Radio Network. And, uh, this is Steve Dillamater, City Lights, back after this. The city lights. 
listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. <laughs> Welcome back to Swoops Road on the Talks Radio Network. Uh, we're just about to uh, interview our, our guests. It'll be uh, Walter Dominguez and Shelley Morrison, filmmakers. And uh, they got a new movie out, a documentary called Weaving the Past, Journey of Discovery. And uh, so as soon as they'll be calling in here in just a minute and have a chance to chat with them. Excuse me. But uh, in, until they call, man, uh, we know Steve Delamater that we were listening to, uh, City Lights. And Steve was our guest last week. Yeah. It's always a good time when, uh, when Steve's in, in with us. Uh, we always enjoy having him here. And uh, he, you know, he releases uh, EP live worldwide uh, right here on the, on the air, man. That's right. A couple, a couple of live performances. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled one out of left field. <laughs> they can surprise us all of that. Huh? <laughs> if you didn't catch last week's show, get in the archives and hear Steve Delamater uh, doing his electric light orchestra <laughs> ELO <laughs> well you know you were, you were saying uh, before we before we went to break uh, T-Bone that you uh, you tasted me like 39 beers at that uh, event at least yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a good time yeah don't ask me to pick a favorite got pretty <laughs> <sloppy>. <laughs> uh, they yeah. all started tasting really good right <laughs> Yeah, well, not all of them because towards the end, the the good ones did tend to run out. Uh, like the la- it would, the tasting goes from noon to five. Okay. And about four thirty, the more popular breweries started blowing kegs. Um, but you know, I mean, it's a it's a cool experience. You it's funny because you see a little bit of uh, well, you see a lot of psychological stuff in play. And you see <laughs> one brewery will all of a sudden there'll be no line. Turn around 30 seconds later, and there's like 12 people in line. And then you'll turn around and look again 30 seconds after that, and there's like 40 people in line because people are attracted to lines. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's, I mean, I know the idea, like, oh, there's people waiting for it. Something must be good there. It's a crowd. But it's really funny Let's to go see check out it in the action. crowd. What's the, what those guys? What are they? Yeah. Must be good over there. Because uh, some of it was shit. A lot of Belgians. Yeah, there were. I mean, it was more. Seems like I, there's a uh, a surge here in California. Yeah, that's the next. That's Belgian, the next big wave. Yeah. I think you know the IPAs are still the dominant, yeah. dominant one. At the, they were definitely the big one at the festival, but the Belgians are gaining steam. Uh, there were more of those. Thankfully, every brewery that's there generally has two or three different offerings at least. So yeah, for some reason, our uh, things are going. Let me try to give them a call. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, our Skype must be uh, acting up a little bit. Looks like it was going straight to... Uh, Hi, Keith. Hi, how you doing, Walters? Uh, Perry, huh? were, were you trying to call in? Yes. Yeah, for some reason, it looks like it was going right to, right to voicemail for some reason. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. Uh, Shelly and I, though, on this cell phone can't both speak at the same time. Okay, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's go to a quick break, and I'll call you off the air and get another number from you, and I'll dial you direct. Let me, okay. Let me call you right back. Yes. Let's take a quick break and uh, be back after this. <laughs> 
vision has got me insane It's blurred my vision and left me in pain Now indecision infected my brain
Keith. Hey, there we go. Finally. <laughs> Technical difficulties uh, taking care yeah, of. Yeah, I know. Mercury must be in retrograde or something, you know. Astrologists <laughs> will tell us. I was ready to send up smoke signals. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the wind would have been blowing in the right direction, though. <laughs> well, welcome back, uh, Walter Dominguez and Shelley Morrison. We're always happy to have you, and it's just great to have you back on the show. Thank you. It's great being back. We uh, uh, we want to remind our listeners that uh, you're both filmmakers. Uh, and a lot of people uh, remember uh, Sh- uh, Shelley as, uh, from uh, Will and Grace. But we're here to talk about uh, the documentary you two uh, worked on and, and, and uh, that you, Walter is about your family and your, your grandfather called Weaving the Past, Journey of Discovery. Uh, you, you, uh, you know, this is a, about a decade-long, uh, you know, project, huh? Yes, I mean, actually, honestly, 13 years all told. It was quite, quite an, uh, an effort to to do, partly because the story needed to find its own conclusion, and it takes a while to, uh, you know, find things out. And when you're digging into the past, somebody said, when you dig into the past, you never know what you're going to turn up. And, uh, you know, and, and so it's amazing things turned up. But sometimes it took a while for a lot of digging before it came up. Well, basically, we didn't have an ending. (laughs) And it wasn't until Walter uh, was able to connect with his grandfather's relatives that we had an ending. And so um, that's why it took so long. And also, Walter shot a lot of footage. Hundreds of hours. Great stuff, and it took uh, a long time to edit, plus all the research to find the archival footage and and going to archives to find these amazing photographs. Uh, and then we shot reenactments that uh, took time to do because we wanted to make them as authentic and as compelling as possible. So, And also, we don't have a staff. <laughs> Walter and I. Yeah, that's the one... It's a one-man band, but con- you know, considering that uh, a two-man band, I think it's right. A two-man band, but considering that, it turned out pretty well. So um, we're pleased. Oh, he's he's. I am so proud of my half side. I am so proud of my husband, and um, in just a few days, we'll be celebrating our anniversary, uh, forty-one years. Wow. So we're into kind of a long engagement thing. <laughs> well, let's 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 kind of let our listeners know. I mean, the basic uh, story about your, your grandfather Emilio uh, that, you, that you guys refer to as Tata, right? Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit. You you knew him as as a missionary uh, preacher, but then you found out uh, some interesting stories about him, which actually drew you back in, 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 into uh, his past and uh, his connections to uh, um, some pretty uh, prominent people. Uh, you know, throughout uh, you know, the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, right? Yes. Uh, uh, my grandfather was a remarkable man. Um, I I knew him for twenty five years from the time I was born. And uh, he was a very important person in my life. He had been there for me through hard times. I lived with him for a while. Uh, He was also a leader in his community. He was just a person that everybody liked or loved. I mean, there was nowhere he couldn't go where he didn't have a friend. I mean, every town it seemed like when I go with him places, oh, let's stop over here and see so-and-so. And so so he had friends everywhere. He's an amazing man. But it turns out that... uh, 
when I started to really, after he died, some decades later, I realized that I really needed to find out, well, what made this man the way he was? He, he couldn't have just a, a, a cropped out of nowhere, appeared out of nowhere. Uh, he had to have been, things must have shaped him and, and he must have been influenced by people. He was fearless. Uh, Tata was fearless. And Walter had reached a point in his life where uh, between 9-11 and midlife crisis, close friends dying, I was having a battle with cancer. Uh, he needed to find his center. And that's when he started interviewing many of the elders to just get a bead, just to find out what, how did his grandfather become such an incredible minister and also be fearless. fearless. And so digging, uh, after you know, I decided to really go into it, uh, I began to find out that uh, it began with a photograph mm -hmm. that my mother told me about my, when my grandfather was dying. He gave her a photograph of this young man that was one of his, that was his best friend uh, in his early life. His early life was a mystery. We didn't know much about it. So um, I started saying, well, well I'd, I'd really like to see this photograph. Who is this young man? And well, his name was Proxidus Guerrero. And then it took a while to find the photograph. My, my dad uh, finally found it. And uh, when I looked at the photograph of this young man with this incredibly intelligent and intense expression on his face, um, I decided to do some research on him. Well, it turns out Proxidus was is one of Mexico's great revolutionary heroes. And my grandfather grew up with him and also went on these extraordinary adventures with him, uh, both in Mexico and here in the U.S. Southwest, to try to uh, change the conditions which were incredibly horrific in Mexico in the 19th and early 20th century. And uh, they fled Mexico because they would have been executed had they stayed. And... Um, so this whole story unfolded, and I learned more through talking to a historian, Dr. Ward Albro, who is an expert on Proxidus Guerrero, wrote a book about him, and other historians that we ended up interviewing in Mexico City and other places. Uh, so, you know, weaving all this together, I just realized that, uh, God, my, my grandfather had one extraordinary life. He began his life as a as a little boy in the most incredibly poor mountain village in the center of Mexico, in the mountains. He ran away from home at the age of five because his stepfather was uh, very abusive and beat him. And uh, he walked 35, 40 kilometers through the mountains and canyons uh, as a five-year-old boy and found himself at the door of this hacienda where he met this young man, Proxidus Guerrero. So it's quite a remarkable story, and we try to tell it in a way that's very, very engaging while we're weaving in historical information at the same time. It's not a true documentary where it's just talking heads. Uh, there are a lot of recreation sequences in the film, and there, most of them, most of the uh, people that were in the reenactment scenes are members of Walter's family. So it, it had his great-great-grandson and various members 
uh, it's a compelling story for people of all backgrounds. Yes, absolutely. I, 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 you know, I had a chance to watch it, and um, God, there's so many questions. One of the things uh, that I, before I forget, it was amazing how much. I guess it was Proxus's great grandson or great grandnephew, whatever, looked like him. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was remarkable. It was remarkable when, when uh, well, I, you know, I was trying to um, just make sure that this photograph we had, which, as it turns out, is a rare photograph. There was no other photograph of Proxidus Guerrero uh, in that age of his, and there were only one or two other photographs that ever existed. And so uh, the, the, the people in Mexico, the National Archive, uh, was anxious to, we donated, and we ended up donating that photograph. But in, in any case, uh, he did. He looked remarkably like his grandnephew. Yeah. It was amazing. And his grandnephew is dedicated to, civil, to social justice, and he's really focused now on animal rights. And uh, and he and other people down in the city of Leon in Mexico established the first animal shelter ever in that area. And they pulled together the, the resources and they got donations, they got volunteers. And they, Shelley and I both saw this animal shelter that, that they had uh, finished building and it was remarkable. They were rescuing animals from abuse. And uh, so that spirit of compassion and justice and care uh, has def- definitely reappeared in, in uh, Proxidus's grandnephew, Gustavo. One of the things that we're just so pleased from the reactions to different screenings that we've had is that people are connecting. Uh, young people aren't on their cell phones. They're not on their computers. They're connecting. And after the film, they come up to us and they say that they want to go and interview their elders. Yeah, the, I could, you know, that's the, that's the feeling you get. And, and I was going to ask you about that, Shelley, that, uh, you know, Walter, uh, you know, I saw him, you know, with his dad, and he, and he found uh, his grandfather's diary. Uh, I have to imagine that some of those days uh, he had to have come home, uh, especially if you weren't with him, just kind of just exhausted, not from, you know, yeah, like just mentally, and uh, because there's just that's so right. much stuff there. And how was that? Uh, you know, how was that working together under those circumstances? Well, the journey has been remarkable. The journey that Walter and I have been on in making this film, and the people that we have met, and even though we were exhausted, there is there's such a feeling that comes inside of you that. The journey is important. The journey is what the rewards are. When you, uh, when, when you, when, when one watches this movie and sees how much you can learn about, uh, you know, a family member, an elder family member, um, and meet, you know, the part where you, 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 you said you were, you were kind of done, and you talked to your dad, and he says, you know, just give it some more time, and then you. You met uh, family members, and you saw the the, the house that uh, you know they lived in, yeah. and things like that. I mean, that's just so touching, and and one of those things where you say, well, this is where this is why you know this it was worth 
going through all the time and effort and all the research and you went to I believe Texas and all these other places to uh, to gather information and there's your reward right there where you actually reconnected for his beginnings you know yeah, yeah. It, it was a powerful it was a powerful experience it it truly was uh, mind blowing and there were many as you as you pointed out there were many days where where these revelations and things would come forward and like I said like you said uh, it was exhausting in that uh, the, all of the emotion that came up as a result of it afterwards, you know, you're high from the emotion, but then you're exhausted because it's taken all of your whole being to process it, process the whole thing. And since it's basically Walter and I that funded the film, I would like right now to thank NBC and Will and Grace because Rosario helped front this film. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You know, I thank God I'm I'm low maintenance. <laughs> what I, what, what, uh, one of the things I was I was interested in is when you first started out. I mean, you I, you couldn't have known where it was going to end up. But were you just first starting out? Like I just want to learn more about my grand my grandfather. Uh, did you have you did you have documentary in mind at the time, or did you start to learn all these things and say I need to really document this? for myself and then did it grow out of that to we can actually make a documentary for everyone yeah i mean uh, i think it's when we uh, i started getting um this amazing footage from uh interviewing uh the family elders that were still left um and we we got home and we looked at the footage and we just saw these amazing moments that you see in the movie and uh, i think at that point shelly and i looked at each other and we both came to the same conclusion. We said, you know what, I think there's there's material here that people, not just us and our immediate family, but people everywhere would be able to relate to, and, and they would benefit from a film. Uh, so we decided to really focus on, you know, think about it as a movie, as a film. And, um, you know, so... We both jumped into the deep end. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It really was the deep end. Yeah. And especially with me uh, having to learn all these technical things, um, because now it's digital with DCPs, da-da-da, and as I'm learning all this stuff, they're changing it. And I'm not a spring chicken in it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's... You know, it, it's, it's a, well, I don't have to tell you, everybody knows that uh, technology is moving so quickly and there's always new apps and new this and new that every single day that, uh, you know, uh, a new social media site and so on. So it's constant having to learn. Right. And uh, so it's, a ch it's, it's both a good thing, but it's also exhausting. <laughs> it was, you know, it was really great that, uh, you know, you, you, your parents had so many so, so much of the paperwork that you could go through. You were able to go visit your uh, your step-grandmother and oh, sit yeah. down and talk to her and, and learn things. And it seemed like every step of the way, there was a little bit more that you could, you were able to gain and learn from and move on from. And I don't know that uh, we've had this discussion here. Uh, I don't know that you have that certain generations. It seems like we're slipping away from yeah. the – you know that kind of stuff with with currently with the, going to your elders yeah. and learning from them. Yes, and that's a huge, huge loss because for millennia, for um, you know, for the 
vast majority of the humanity's life as a, as a race of people, uh, up until just the most recent, just a few years ago, we learned everything basically uh, by through oral tradition. People talked to us, told us stories. We passed those down. And um, <clears throat> and yes, we're we're losing that. Uh, people, I've seen at parties, at fam- even our family, at family gatherings, the kids are uh, the, the the older people are around, but the kids got their noses in their in their iPhone and they're texting their friends and they're checking their social media and everything. And I've even started seeing adults doing the same thing. So it's like, well, what's the point of getting together if all of you are just <laughs> going to be in your own little worlds? But that, but that link between uh, the you know the older generation and the younger generation, a meaningful link, is is you're right, it's being lost, and that's one of the points of the film. We're hoping that through seeing the film, people will will be inspired to, and young people will be inspired to really spend time with their with their the you know the grandparents, even their parents, uh, and ask the questions while they're alive, while they're still there. By the way. The the scene where we filmed it with my step grandmother, mm-hmm. two days later, she died. Oh wow! So that that moment of having had that opportunity with her was incredibly incredibly meaningful. And had I I, I was thinking, well, maybe will I go today? Maybe we know because you know she wasn't well and everything, and we said we better go now. And uh, she she rallied and she looked good and we had this wonderful visit with her, and uh, and then two days later she was rushed to the hospital and she died that afternoon. So, you know, you you can't, what I'm trying to say is, don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today when it comes to the people around you, especially the older people, because we just never know. Yeah. And and then once you're gone, you cannot find out that information. It's gone forever. You mentioned something in the film, and, and it, it kind of hit home, where you said that you knew you knew a lot about your grandfather, but you didn't know anything about his early life. Now, my, my grandfather, yeah. he's no longer, you know, he passed away, but I, I thought about that. I, I knew my grandparents really well, um, but I knew them, you know, during my era. Um, and I know I, I knew a little bit about, you know, when my mom and, and dad were growing up, but I don't really know much about them. Where you know where they grew, I mean, where they grew up, and and what life was like when they were that young and and, and as young adults. I you know I, I knew them as grandparents, and uh, I wish I had to taken the time then to uh, you know dig deeper into uh, to their lives when they were yeah. a lot younger. Absolutely, because you know when we know about their lives and what shaped them, and by doing that, we there's something that changes inside of us. We become more whole. We become more proud because we we know these marvelous stories, and we realize, gee, my my grandparents, what they went through and what they overcame, and um, you know, it was just amazing stuff, and it it makes our lives richer, and it makes an awareness of ourselves more profound, more dimensional, and 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 it's just something that I think everyone really does need to do at some point. There's a, there's an old saying, um, I know it's a saying among Native American people here, but I'm sure it's true uh, across the world in different cultures, that if you don't know where you came from and you don't know about the people you came from, 
you can't know about yourself now in the present. And if you can't know about yourself in the present, you really can't go forward. It's important to know who you are, but to do that, you really need to go into the past. Well, some reconnect. of the feedback that we've been getting from audience members, besides this going back to find your roots, uh, is the the film, the dignity, the dignity. We don't stereotype, and it's um, serendipitous that right now we're facing the same problems with all these children who are fleeing their country, fleeing their for their life. And this is what Tata did when he was five years old. So there's there's so many things that kept us going, that propelled us forward to complete this and to do it in a way that people can respond to it each in their own very personal way. One of the things that... <clears throat> What's interesting is, uh, you know, you started off, you know, with your grandfather's later years, and everybody was talking about how respected he was, what a great man he was, how nice he was. Uh, like you said, wherever he went, everybody knew him. He knew somebody and stuff like that. But he had a tough, he had it tough as a kid. He had it tough at periods of time as a young adult. I think you, you started off the film at one point early in the film where you talk about him sleeping in a park in L.A. and battling, yeah. battling some demons. But, I mean, I think every, all along the way, it, it created what he ended up being, you know, later in life. Yes, that's, that was it. It was, uh, you know, I, I was trying to figure out how to structure this, and I had to structure the film, and I had long talks with Shelley and with our editor and uh, trying to figure out how we would tell it. I didn't want to exactly tell it in a chronological way because I don't, I don't think that life is chronological. We... I mean, we're constantly flashing into the future and the past as we're living our daily lives. You know, we're wondering what's going to happen next. Uh, we are still sometimes, you know, thinking about what happened two days ago. And, uh, and, and our past really is always with us. And um, so I wanted to, and Shelley is the one who came up with the title for the film early on, very early on. She said it should be called Weaving the Past. So you're weaving things. And um, <clears throat> so I didn't want to just go chronologically. I thought, thought it was important that people know how my grandfather ended up. But then the real story is, how did he get there? Right. So we start, we start like, you know, later in life, but then we go back. And so <clears throat> at first, people are, I think people are kind of going, hmm, I wonder where this is going. And then we, we jump into the past and it takes off from there. And it's also wonderful because you can't get ahead of it. No, and you film And TV shows, you know, you, you know what the next cut is going to be. Right. And I have a very low threshold for, of boredom. I mean, uh, I'm bored very easily. And uh, when Walter finally showed me the final, final cut, and he was, he was a basket case, the poor thing, and uh, we watched it, and afterwards I just said, we have a winner. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And, and you know, you. One of the, you know it's, it's interesting because, you know, when you, 
there's so many. I'm, I'm jumping all over the map, and I'm sorry, but um, That's okay. there, there's parts. You know, there's there's interesting when you talk to talk to people there. Uh, I think in Lyon, and 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 how people perceive things or remember things. And I remember one guy that you were asking about. Well. Um, was was he mistreated? There's rumors about him getting beaten. He goes, oh, no, no, nothing that major. When kids got to a certain age, they had to get out the house and go go work and go find their way. And I, I, I found that uh, you know, as we're talking five year old, I don't think that's I think that's quite right at that time. But uh, it, it was interesting to see how well, how people perceive things um, and, and the stories that they've been handed down uh, throughout the years uh, in the in the in the towns that you were visiting. Well, right now, what we're interested in is getting people to go see it. Yeah. And uh, we opened at the Lemley Theaters in Pasadena uh, August 15th for a one-week engagement through the 21st. Uh, on Sunday the 17th, after the 4 p.m. screening, we will have uh, a Q&A. And um, this is our, our gift to people to come and see. I was trying to find a catchphrase to use in publicity for PR, and what came to me was, when was the last time you saw a film that changed your life? You know, <clears throat> you, when, you, when you look at, when you watch this film, it, it, it makes you think. Uh, I mean, you're, I'm totally engaged in the film the entire time. Um, but like I said, when I was done with it, I was thinking about, you know, there's some things in my world, in my life, in my grandparents' and lives and great-grandparents' lives that I wish I knew more about. And, you know, I'll probably have to ask my parents more about that uh, when I see them and say, you know, I, I, you know, I remember this, but what about that? Because... Those, those stories I don't have to pass on to my kids because I don't know them, and it, it makes you really, uh, you know, take stock. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the idea, is that it makes you stop and think, and keep and you keep thinking about it in different ways, and it'll keep popping back into your mind. Most importantly, it's not about the film itself, although, the, uh, you know, it's wonderful that people think about the film. More importantly is that they're thinking about their own lives and how they could connect to their own family and and, and get get people excited about that possibility. So so that's what Shelley is talking about in changing your life, meaning maybe give you the opportunity to um, explore something in your own family, in your own life, that could change your life, as, as this one did for, for me and Shelley and, and the other people involved. It was life-changing. How did you two stay motivated? Uh, there was a time there... <clears throat> I believe, and you had met some people, and it's it seemed like they were relatives, and uh, you, or you talked to them, and, and, and things were things sounded like they fit uh, as far as store or jobs and things like that, and then you found out that they were not related. They were you know, same same last name, but they were not related. Um, how do you stay motivated, uh, you know, day in and day out, especially once you have years and years under your belt? Uh, how, how do you how did you two keep going? Well, it's we're time. nuts. We're crazy. That's why. <laughs> Shelley says we're into this now. We're gonna get to the end. <laughs> oh, we. Oh, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. I mean, uh, there generally were times where uh, you know I was like, I you know, I'm ready to give up on this thing. I, I'm so tired. I've I've hit so many roadblocks. 
there were a lot of things like you saw in the film. My father got sick and he was so ill. Uh, there were other things going on in the family and in my life. So it was a struggle. And um, and then, you know, trying to get the information and connect and so on and find the family. And it was just, it was at times really, really, really hard. And um, I think what happened for me was I just kept, my grandfather kept coming back to me and I kept thinking, you know what, he wouldn't let this stop him. <clears throat> he would just keep going and he would be very positive that something good was going to come out of it. And, uh, and then, sure enough, something would. So a breakthrough would happen, and then I'd get re-energized and uh, <clears throat> go forward. That was that was what kept me going. And, of course, Shelley would talk to me at times, or my dad, or, you know, say, you know, you've got to keep going. You've gotten this far. Uh, you can't just stop. You know, you have to complete. You have to complete it. And then, of course, on a deep level, I realized I did need to complete it. It was something I needed to do, and I would never be able to live with myself if I didn't finish the quest and finish the, take it to a conclusion of some kind. Right. The, uh, the organization and uh, the newspaper and, and all that, uh, the things that the Praxidus was involved with and your dad was uh, working with also, um, and they did, they did a lot for the, the, the workers and, and things like that. And they, they last a lot of years. Did anything, is there anything today that was spun off from that? From the focus on uh, work on Proxidus, yeah, the, and all the information uncovered. Yes, it's uh, it's actually um, uh, there've been I've been contacted by, by government people in Mexico, by historians and and other people who uh, are reporting to me that um, they've decided to do more research. A, uh, a book on Proxidus was re was translated from Italian into. Spanish by the government a year, two years ago, and it just came out uh, just six months ago. Um, and so uh, there's all of this re new interest in him and in the people around him. And uh, I think there's a hundred years later, there's like a, a real appreciation of the amazing effort that these young men uh, and women did a hundred years ago. I mean, here in, here in Los Angeles, as you saw in the movie, there were young Americans who cooperated and came together to support these Mexican revolutionaries, and um, they too did what they could to help. And uh, they some they put together a, it's not in the movie, but they put together a defense fund and raised money to get Ricardo Flores Magón out of prison. Uh, they you know there was a lot of cooperation between Americans and Mexicans. Uh, who were people who were, you know, concerned about social injustice and were trying to do something about it? Yeah. So it's a it's a fascinating story, but um, a lot of energy has has been generated by, um, along with this film and also by the film. The one question I had was, your you know your grandfather had had been involved and worked hard and, and done a lot of good work. Uh, with that prior to his missionary stuff. And you said he, when you would ask him about, or when people would ask him about his early life, he really wasn't forthcoming about it or didn't seem like he wanted to talk about it. Why do you yeah. think that was? Well, uh, you know, he, he when he started his work as a minister, 
Um, I think, and for many decades, I think the whole idea of being a revolutionary, taking up arms, uh, which means that you're going to shoot at people and probably kill somebody or injure them, and of course they're going to do the same to you. Um, and I think that was a very hard thing for him to um, really want to share, not only that part of it, but just the pain and suffering that all these people went through. I think when I was young, I think it was a hard thing for him to share with a, with a young person. Mm-hmm. And um, also, he, he was very painful, his childhood, as you know from the film. And he went through a lot. And I think it was just, you know, he, he never saw his mother again after the age of five. Those are things that are very, very hard to, uh, to want to bring up and really go back into. He alchemized. He really did his past and became such a positive force and incredible. He reached out to everyone. To every, his funeral, it was amazing. It was amazing. All the people that had an opportunity to get up and say something, how he touched their lives. And I had just met Shelley when he died. Just a few months before, Shelley and I, uh, you know, started to... Uh, uh, were together, and um, she was really supportive of me because when he died, I was just devastated. Yeah. Wow. The uh, the film is uh, Weaving the Past, Journey of Discovery, and uh, you said August 15th, it, it starts to run at the Lamel. Peter, give us the information on that right there. Um, sure. So, th- yeah, this was at uh, 673 East Colorado Boulevard in Pasadena. and uh, Right. Looks like you guys are already sold out on the uh, opening day, the f- the fifteenth. There, yeah. Uh, the evening the evening uh, performances or, or screenings are are sold out. The uh, afternoon, uh, one o'clock and four o'clock, they're still available seats, but they, sh- they will run for one week only, and will be there at the Lemley Playhouse Seven Theaters in Pasadena from August fifteenth to Thursday, August twenty first. And people can go to our website, uh, weaving the past. Dot com. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Walter, give that information. We, we, we basically want to fill that theater because uh, we're not going to get rich off of this, but if we can attract a distributor or a sales agent, maybe we can make back some of the money we've put into it and finish our second documentary. Well, we'd also like to be able to get it on video on demand and, and out in distribution, wider distribution, have some other screenings across the country. So, this is this is uh, like a nucleus. This is like a launching pad, and um, and I just think if people really want to see films like this, that um, you know, it's you just sometimes just have to make the effort and go out and support it. And, and fortunately, the Lemley Theaters has a wonderful policy uh, for seniors, for students. Uh, there are discounts for people if you come earlier in the day. Uh, you know, there's it, it's a very very uh, uh, they make it very easy for people to go see a movie. And it's a cool part of town. It's, it's just a really delightful area. There's always plenty of places to eat and, or have a coffee or a drink. And uh, parking's easy. So it, it's it's just a really uh, great place to go. And um, I guarantee that if you go see the film, you'll, you'll be glad you did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree. 
It's uh, it's a fine film. You did a wonderful job, and and it uh, it tells a great story, and, and it really makes you think. And and, and you know what I. I I couldn't help from uh, you know rooting for you throughout the movie, and then, you know you'd be heading somewhere else and to, to find out some information, and and I was you know hoping you would find it and and, and anxiously awaiting to see what uh, what would become and what was next. So, great job. Cool. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That is just you know that's the reaction of people is is just so wonderful because when you're making a film, you think that you know it's compelling to you, you think it's good, you think it's interesting. But you you really can't tell until it's out there and people are seeing it, and then then to get the feedback from people, their take on the film, their interpretations, their ideas, their you know it's it's Shelley and I can both of us agree this is like a fascinating thing because it just makes you feel wonderful to to know that other people are are thinking about and 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 savoring something that you put out there. And it's uplifting. It's not something that is destructive or negative or depressing. It's it's an uplifting film, even though it covers a lot of stuff that is pretty dramatic and yeah. not all of it pleasant. Well, <clears throat> I, I enjoyed it, and, uh, and uh, I recommend that anybody uh, has a chance to get out to, to uh, Pasadena next uh, couple weeks. Uh, nine days from now, yeah, nine days. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, nine yeah. days from now. Get out there and, and take it in, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Chelly, uh, uh, we're going to see you on the, on the small screen or the big screen or a stage anytime soon? Uh, I've been busy with this. Uh, the material that uh, has been sent to me, it's like been there, done that. Um, I've enjoyed this process with Walter. And also, to be very candid, I don't want to have to pluck or shave anymore. <laughs> 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 I love about Shelly. She doesn't hold back. She just says whatever she wants to say, and I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> you get older, your filter gets very thin or non-existent. <laughs> so, uh, and another thing, uh, we have to live in the moment, in the moment, right now, in this moment. Right. And the people that will see this film and bring their families. Uh, will feel a sense of being in the moment. Absolutely. Well, I want to I want to thank you both for joining us. Sorry, sorry about the technical difficulties in the beginning, but uh, no problem. It was worth worked out. It was worth the wait. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and uh, I hope to, uh, hope to have you back on again soon. When you you got another one in, in the works there, right, Shelley? Yes. Yes. It's called Whitewashed Adobe, based on the book by William Deverall. And it's the creation of Los Angeles from 1850 to 1950. And we, have, we already have uh, an hour of footage uh, interviewing these extraordinary elders. We have way more hours of footage than that. What she's talking about is we put together a, uh, like a, a, an edit uh, just to, to show people. And uh, anyway, it's, it's going to be wonderful. Uh, Take a break first. Yeah. Break. <laughs> Well, great. Oh, I want to sleep in. <laughs> well, I look, we look forward to, to seeing that, too. So uh, thank you thank so you, much Keith. for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. It was thank a pleasure. Thank you so much for getting the word out. Thank you. Sir. Yes, thank you. Absolutely, thank you. Best of luck. Take care. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Walter Dominguez and Shelley Morrison, and uh, you definitely check out Weaving the Past, Journey of Discovery, and uh, if you go
go to Swoop Strong homepage, there you'll see the uh, the post and that shows him as a guest and there's links inside that post and it'll lead you to wherever you need to know to find out about this and as well as Peter just put out the information on where it's going to be playing August 15th, beginning August 15th for a week. Yeah, to the 21st. To the 21st, yep. To the 21st. So you get a chance to check that out. We're going to take a quick break and come back and do some uh, beer tasting. This is Swoop Strong with Talks Radio Network. Time for brewskis when we get back. This is Halloween. Let's not say we did.
It's time for Brewskies, our beer tasting segment right here at Swoops World Late Night, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a brew, and join us right now for Brewskies, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the most important part of the show, the beer part of the show. Tonight we're drinking... Um, one from a, a brewery that we, we've come to enjoy, uh, Mother Earth, and we are drinking their Boo Koo India Pale Ale. Like it's a cool little, uh, cool little label. They never do anything too crazy fancy, but you know they do the paint right on the bottle as yeah. opposed to labels, uh, like Stone and a lot of the other San Diego breweries do. And uh, I always like that. They always have a kind of nice, clean look about them. So anyhow, uh, here's what they have to say about their own brew. Buku IPA is a mosaic IPA, which we, we talk about made up shit all the time. Can't get much more made up than that. <laughs> uh, Buku IPA is a straw colored, all mosaic IPA. A simple Pilsen grain bill makes this brew hop forward, spotlighting the piney aroma and foresty flavors with an overall unique experience. Clocking in at six and a half alcohol with 65 IBUs, it's just Buku enough. Just don't call it Tubuku. Tubuku. Yeah, so anyhow, uh, I like the, and these guys always have funny things like that. So that's one of the other. I, I like a brewery with you know, takes their beer serious, but don't take themselves too serious. And uh, these guys fit that bill. So that's all we know. We've, we it, this is so new that I had a hard time finding it on their website. Uh, so I think it's a really new one. But you had the problem last week too. <laughs> Well, the operator area. Yeah, could be, could be. But, uh, you know, so they have. These guys are out of uh, Vista. Uh, where are they out of? Vista. They Vista. are out of Vista, right? Uh, oh, they have a whole bunch of, yeah, a whole bunch of things. I didn't even see this. So, yeah. With the, uh, as they describe it, with the you pills. They had information on the back? They had some information on the back, but. This is one where it was a different description on the on the Yeah, list, but so I just assumed it would all be the same, but it, apparently it wasn't. Uh, with a Pilsen grain bill, that, that would mean that this is going to be very, very hop forward. So, well, um, it's, it's hop so, forward. Uh, and, which is different than a lot of, like, say, like, uh, like the Maharajas, another double IPA that uh, has a very big multi presence. So it'll be interesting to see how this, this stands up. I do like a hop forward IPA, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So, uh, salute. Yeah. yeah, just bill it, you know. <laughs> Peter, I think you're up first. Well, this is kick-ass. This is right up my alley. Kind of, uh, kind of uh, IPAs I really like. Um, where it's just, just it's and it's not even a lot. Sixty-five IBUs is really, in the grand scheme of things these days, not a really big, uh, you know, hop profile. Uh, but because of the way they brewed it, it just comes through. It comes screaming at you, and I and I love it. I really like a, a big hoppy beer like this. So clean, clean finish, blast all up front, uh, smooth going down. I'm loving it. I'm with you on that, man. Right out of the aroma, you get that, that big hop mm-hmm. the aroma. Mm-hmm. Taste hits right there, but like you said, finishes smooth. I mean, it is. Probably one of the smoothest finishing beers we've had in a long time, I think. Uh, and uh, I'm not even, I know there's, you know, it's got a little bit of malt in it, but I, I, it's not even coming through that much. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a good tasting beer. Oh, yeah. Uh, very floral. 
with the sessions. I don't really care for them yeah, because they do taste like light IPAs. Yeah. And it's like, well, if I want to do that, I would, you know, I'll go find a beer with less alcohol or less mm-hmm. hops. I don't know. It doesn't make... I, I understand the point behind it, but mm-hmm. these guys got the solution. Yeah. You want something light that you can drink, lighter, you know, as far as body and... and mm-hmm. uh, but still has tons of flavor. And see, I always want to... Yeah, it doesn't taste watery at all. It's just, here it is. Drink it. Drink some more of it. Yeah. These guys got it. They I, I they, they nailed it. They did something really good. They said, buy cold summer beer. Buy cold drink now. Enjoy your response. I could totally see this being that perfect summer beer to drink, you know. You know, barbecue, and you got the friends over, and you're going all day, and you need something to just keep drinking and keep drinking. And it doesn't, because as, as T-Bone said, that some of the, like the Maharaja is a very good example of a great, great beer. But if you're looking at all day of drinking that, your mouth's going to pucker. <laughs> By the end of the day, you're going to be like, oh, my God. And your stomach, you know, because it's a heavy beer. You're going to feel that. This this one you could literally drink sun up to sundown. That's a good beer, man. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being best? This is, you know, I've uh, last couple of weeks, three weeks run, I think I've uh, been in the 5, 6 range. Uh, I'm going 9 on this, man. Woo, doggy. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Kidding, I've done a little bit of, you know, historical research myself. It's not weaving the past yet. <laughs> that timely reference there. Uh, I, uh, I have to, uh, I think I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was kind of settling in, you know, and, uh, Drop my bags off at eight and a half, but uh, I think I can move uh, move upstairs to the to the nine. Yeah, yeah. I am going. Eight, <laughs> I'm going eight here. All right. And I don't have any real legitimate knock on this. <laughs> I don't. It's just that it feels like an eight. Yeah. And so that's an eight. fair enough, man. Yeah. yeah. And that's gonna give us an eight and two thirds for eight our <laughs> for our score here. Nice. What are we eating with this, man? Uh, well, this is, uh, one of those bigger beers. I mean, it's, it's going to drown out some of the other stuff, but it's not so malty, um, that this could go with other courses and, um, fish tacos pops into mind, you know, off the grill, uh, even carne asada, it could handle that. Um, some sort of, uh, See, I, I can actually, I mean, I know this sounds kind of weird, but for some reason I, I'm, I'm doing some ceviche with uh, well, I wasn't going to say ceviche, but I was going to say, uh, like, uh, skewered and grilled uh, uh, shrimp. Mm-hmm. 
you know, with lots of like the, the not blackened, but you know, those seasonings, those flavors. So kind of along those lines, something peppery yeah. and, um, is going to go probably great with this. Uh, Maybe a little citrusy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is a, this is an all rounder for sure. Um, Probably couldn't go wrong with it. I can't imagine anything that this isn't just going to go <laughs> lovely with. <laughs> nice. There you go. Another edition of Frisky, sponsored by Drinks Boys. On Thursday, I get accused by my wife of, you, sons of bitches, drank a case of beer. I'm like, no, that's not accurate. We did not drink a case. So that's an important distinction. It's an important distinction around here. We need to, we need to keep that line in the sand very clear. Now, to be fair, on a lot of Thursdays, I feel like we drink a case. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we've had more than a 12-pack, but... I don't buy a case, so that just doesn't happen. That's why I got to clarify, because just in case somebody goes back in the archives and hears you saying we got a, we drank a case or something, and, or got did. a case, I or said, go get yourself. A it's twelve. It's a twelve pack. Twelve pack. Uh. <laughs> get yourself a twelve pack of good tasting brews, hopefully. Four different breweries. So uh, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> a lecture of what a case of beer is <laughs> as opposed to a box of 12. <laughs> a big box of 12, but that's right. See, now, if you're talking wine, that's a case. <laughs> I don't make the rules. I'm just telling you what they do. What they, what they do. <laughs> a lot of them. All right. This is some Charlotte Talk Story Radio Network. Take a quick break. This is some Carrie Appel. This is uh, called uh, House of Cards. Back on this. I catch your glance across the room. You got my attention now a little too soon But if you think it's nothing new For me to end up leaving with you House of cards come tumbling down House of cards fall to the ground House of cards I'm gonna play this hand House of cards I still can Year after year I do this dance Of empty vodka tonics And shallow romance Post on poker Or solitaire So many games I can't even share House of cards Come tumbling down House of Cards, I'm gonna play this hand House of Cards Cause I still can 
being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. This is Daddy Dewdrop. Every Wednesday night. I asked about the chip, but what they said was free. Chick-a-boom, chick-a-boom. Don't you just love it? Chick-a-boom, chick-a-boom. Don't you just love it? About uh, 15, 20 minutes or so, we'll be talking to Anthony Davis. Uh, but right now, T-Bone's going to tell us a little bit about DraftKings, man. All righty. Well, you folks that are getting ready, you're, you're uh, salivating at the chance for some fantasy football action. Uh, you need to check out DraftKings.com. And when you go there, you should go there through the Swoops World route. You go to SwoopsWorld.com slash DraftKings or click on the DraftKings banner over on the right side of the page. And you will get a free entry into a big money giveaway. DraftKings is cool because it is fantasy sports on the short term. And I know a lot of you folks out there are putting off long-term decisions. This is one Commitment. more venue of your life where you can really live that ethos. <laughs> so get out there and get on to SoupsRoll.com slash DraftKings and do your fantasy sports just as much on the short term as everything else you do in life. It's like, it's... All of the fun and freedom of your paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle with the opportunity to win enough money to never have to think about that lifestyle again. So check it out. DraftKings. Peter, where to bike Orange County, man? <laughs> where to bike Orange County? Where to bike Orange County? 
uh, is a book I wrote, uh, part of a travel series, of which there's about 10, 12, 15 or so. And um, the book covers, not surprisingly, Orange County and covers the 85 best rides. 30 of those are kid rides. 50-something of them are adult rides. Uh, and they range from everything from the very casual two- to four-mile rides with lots and lots of things to do, side trips and, and sites, uh, to the much more challenging 40, 50-milers with hills and wind and uh, some serious, serious distance. So uh, the bike, uh, the, each route comes with an accurate ride log, uh, places to see and stop along the way, uh, com- uh, convenient uh, bits of history, what have you, should there be any, and uh, soups in the book, so you want to check that out. And it all comes with a companion app. The book can be purchased at the local Barnes & Nobles and REIs, if you're in the Long Beach, Orange County area, as well as local bike shops. And, of course, if you go to the Soups World homepage, you can find an ad that will take you to that mother of all stores, Amazon, and they will ship it directly to your doorstep. And Soups World will earn a few shekels along the way. So check it out. Where to bike, Orange County. (laughs) Uh, How about a little bit of uh, Audible.com? Audible.com is uh, also... You can get there by going to the Soups World homepage, <laughs> audibletrial.com forward slash Soups World. What is this that I speak of? Audible.com is uh, a great way to listen to your books. Um, and every, just about every week I report on a new, uh, a new way to... Uh, you know, where and when you could listen to these books. Because, you know, my, my first reservations about this whole thing was like, I'm a big reader. Wasn't it? Why would I listen to my books? I mean, if I'm blind, I'll listen to my books. But otherwise, I, I want to read my books. And I keep coming up with great ones. And here's, here's another great time where you could be listening to your book. Uh, when I go to the beach, I always bring a book, of course, because that's one of my favorite places to read a book. And I have kids. And when my kids are in the ocean... I can't possibly be reading and watching my kids, which means, although I usually bring a book, I don't get much reading done. Uh, Today I got hours of listening in because my kids are typical, you know, all kids in that age. They they don't have, their, their bodies are not developed yet. They don't understand cold. And they don't understand when their hands have all turned into, like, prunes, and then they're rubbing against the sand, and they're, like, literally losing body parts. They they can't feel that. Which means they're in the water for hours, which means I can't get any of my damn reading done. So I get to listen to that. So that's another instance. Uh, what are you listening to now? I today at the beach just finished the the Dune book that I was listening oh, to. Nice. So I've got to find a new one here because I'll be as as we've talked about other places, on the plane, in the car when you're in traffic, or or you're in the car and you're trying to drown your kids out. Lots of good places where you could be listening. And then swoops you what what are you on? Like seven or eight now? Yeah. I- yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah. What do you read now? Uh, actually, I'm not. I finished the one I was listening to. Uh, I got a short one this this time around, which is I told you was the Adam Carolla book. Oh, you're right. Which you liked a lot. Taco Bell material. It's hilarious. <laughs> you know, and I think I, I kind of touched on this. I usually get the unabridged versions because uh-huh. I like the long whatever, and I like everything. And his was an abridged version, so he skips chapters and this and the other. But 
hilarity was every minute of the freaking book was. Yep. Well, as we've talked about, there's some great talent out there. If it's not like in the case of Adam Carolla, like reading his own stuff, uh, there's other people. They're very talented readers, actors reading some of this stuff. So uh, it can be very enjoyable. Um, I'm actually reading a hardcover book right now. Oh yeah. You want to share that with us? Uh, Stephen King. Oh yeah. Eleven twenty-two. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. We, you and I were just talking about that. Yeah. It's a page turner, man. It Very is. cool. I'm sure there's some great Stephen King books on Audible. And this one is on Audible. Uh huh. And but I'd already bought the book. Uh, <laughs> I started reading. So you're committed. Like, uh, no, screw that. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to finish reading. Yeah. No, uh-huh. I probably will listen to it eventually to see yeah. you know how it comes across that way. Yeah. But I, I just can't do it. I, I'm already I'm already busy. Sure. Sure. So anyhow, lots of great time places. 150,000 titles uh, available. And they're adding more, you know, every month. Uh, this is an Amazon company, so you, uh, this isn't going anywhere. So uh, check it out, audible.com, audible for the. For, uh, I forgot to mention when you, if you go through the banner ad, uh, then it will take you to uh, a free. You'll get your free. Your first download will be free. Uh, so check that out. Um, audible.com. AudibleTrial.com forward slash Zeus World. <laughs> so <what> he forget. <laughs> <laughs> For all your fitness needs, check out Rowworks. Our good friend Jack Nine will get you in shape, help you stay in shape, and uh, personally train you for a sporting event if you if need be. Uh, indoor rowing, boot camp, personal training, much, much more. 5750 Boathouse Lane right here in Long Beach. www.roworx.com. Or you give them a call at 562 688 1716. Let them know that Hoops World sent you, and your first week is free. Uh, where are we at here? 924. We're about 10 minutes away from talking to AD. We might even call a little bit earlier in just a second. But, uh, God, where are we? The books. Oh, uh, there are so many of those, you know, those audio books. Oh, yeah. Um, I, like I said, I saw the, the Stephen King book that I'm reading on there. I was kind of looking through stuff and and uh, he's got a bunch of them on there. But you're, you're right, the, 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 the readers of some of these books are just amazing. And the, what I like about it a lot is you can uh, preview it. Right. Kind of hear the, the person reading it and kind of determine, eh, I, can, I can listen to this for hours. Well, like, so, I've been, I'm, I'm a big fan of Frank Herbert, and those are like some of the first books I ever really loved. So I, was, I always like to, you know, every once in a while I go back and read them. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's one of the, some of the ones I downloaded. And his books are so famous it's, you know, like, there's enough people reading them that they've spent some bucks i mean they've got three or four readers right and they've yeah. got so they got like a woman to read the female parts and they've got two guys to read like different male parts because you have so many it's characters like old-time radio man. yeah <laughs> like, totally totally and then and then and then there's always like a narration part and that's a different voice so they've got at least four different voice talents reading this stuff so you know again if you're yeah, yeah. If you're into, uh, especially, that's what I like about it is because, as I said, I read a lot, and I I always tend to be when because you get a credit the way the way it works if you sign up, and you and you can you know cancel your subscription at any time. But if you sign up each month, you get a new credit, right. and uh, I'm always kind of reluctant to get a book I haven't read, right? Because I'm like, well, <laughs> what if I don't like it? Like, you know, if I buy a book that no, I don't you, like. You have an you, you excellent point there because I've, I've purchased a couple with that, you know, like with my monthly credit. Right. And kind of gone, yeah. Yeah. You know? But 
That was before I located the old preview button. Yes. Well, that's, yeah. And that's part of it. So, but I, I've kind of taken a tact of, hey, when I'm listening, I'll, I'll, and this might change, but so far, when I'm listening, I'll listen to books that I've already read. So that that way, I know I, first of all, I know I like it. Right. And second of all, as you kind of said, it's like, you get to hear it from a different, you know, because reading a book is one thing. Hearing a book is a different thing. So hearing a book that you've already read, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like the way things people used to do things where they they would read out loud to each other right. and it's kind of a cool thing. And then you cannot pay you don't have to pay quite as much attention because you know what's going on. So if you're doing other things, you know, you're good because you can you can you're following the story right you know because you already know the story um so that's i what i have found is what i'm enjoying the most what that I might have, change but what, I, what i've also done uh, on a few of the books that i've read or listened to is uh actually because like you said you're, you're doing other things at times mm-hmm. so i've listened to them more than once uh, right to a second time and uh, chapter <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could see that but uh you know because you know I, a lot of times i'm riding my bike so now you're like focused on traffic and right. trying to get to the riverbed and that's kind of stuff so uh there's been a few times i'm thinking oh that's new but you know obviously it's not no, right <laughs> i don't remember it <laughs> yeah and it, it, it that's and you bring up a good point it's just like buying a book you own it right. it's it's in your account you might have to download it again at some point yeah, on your you phone, uh, but uh, it's there. Uh, the only thing you can't do with it, at least so far as I can tell, which I do like, you know, uh, I've, I've passed on a couple books to you that yeah. I'm like, here, here's a book you're going to like. And I've, I, I don't think you can do this. I don't think you can do that with Audible.com. No, that would can't. be the one, you know, knock on it is uh, you can listen to it as often as you like yeah, over I, and over and I'm over. I'm giving you my phone. Right. You'd have to give somebody your phone. As far as I can tell, I haven't looked too hard. I'm sure T-Bone over here, if we put him to the task, could uh, figure, out, figure out a way that. to work around. But, um, but that would be the only knock I would have against the whole thing, uh, which again is why I pick books that I, I've definitely read and I know I like because I know, I mean, I've read the, the book Dune is a good example. I mean, I know already I've read that five or six times in my life since the first time I read it. So and far, I haven't gotten one that I've read, previously read, but I've been fairly lucky because there have been genres that I really am into. Mm-hmm. And I like, I think I got, I got wrapped up in the, the ones. The sniper, sniper one, right? Guy. Listen to everything they, everything that guy's got on, <laughs> on that on that character. He's got a couple books with a different character, but I was right. ready, ready to get invest, you know, invest in. You're not and, ready uh, to commit yet. Yeah, not ready to commit yet. No, yeah. did you just can't anybody? has got some commitment <laughs> issues here, but he's working through it. You should check out DraftKings.com. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I should. Ah, you're funny guys, funny guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you keep us around. Uh, exactly. <laughs> listen to Swoops Around the Talk Show Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break, come back and listen to, uh, come back and get uh, Anthony Davis on the line, see what he's got to talk about tonight, and then uh, T-Bone's time out. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
going off when it's on Kid like a sauce, fuck they laws of Can't pop a soul, poppin' off when it's on They call me Just Rhyme, the people's patriot In the street every day, making change in this And what's amazing is the system gonna hate on this They can't stand a prophet who takes profits and makes babies rich Cause I'm giving back, I'm not Wall Street And I bet I'm black, brown and white, we all eat And we all roll like a thousand swishes And all parole grant five thousand thousand wishes We on a mission and together we are something vicious Something like a shark in the dark How we get positioned No talking here my people Cause it's a takeover We walk in there and call it State Department makeover They call the coppers wanna lock us with the quickness But the world is watching now And the rich are on our hit list And the world is gonna witness This vision when the system fell my people Bring hell to heaven, heaven to hell Can't lock us all, saying fuck they laws all Can't pop us all, popping off when it's on Can't lock us all, saying fuck they laws all Can't pop us all, popping off when it's on Ay. Call us criminal, call us political Either way we all stay prisoners of the system, bro And my missus know I'm deep in the rabbit hole Alice ain't got shit, I was wonderful Who's down to roll? Street warfare, pistol polishing We on a roll PhD in hood economics That's the motto though All black everything Including all the politics Binding with the brothers they mutter Just keep on doing it So just keep doing it Strictly for the people though The system can go fuck itself Invite me to the beach show Just rhyme, just gives a fuck People put your fists up top Prison break, shut them down People open up the shop Can't lock us all, saying fuck they lost all Can't pop us all, popping off when it's on Can't lock us all, saying fuck they lost all Can't pop us all, popping off when it's on Diamonds in my stomach give you jewels when I spit up Smuggling the contraband to homies who get sent up Just about to meet the man put lead up in his head What? Our people aren't the only ones who gonna get it fed up Motivate the prisons from the classrooms to the offices Burning so much down they asking just who is accomplices Godzilla, King Kong, just is kinda monsterish Walkers in the streets take the concrete and demolish it all of us rebellious, we ride till we get free The club is on the block, and just got VIP You see, these bars I got just liberate Opposite of locked up, watch them just emancipate Can't lock us all, say fuck they laws on Can't pop us all, popping off when it's on Can't lock us all, say fuck they laws on Can't pop us all, popping off when it's on
sure I wasn't seeing things. Talk Story Radio. Hello, this is Steve Delamater, and hello to all you out there on the interwebs. Keep it right here on Swoop's World. Thank you, Steve. Shaking, baby, wanna go for a spin. I got the top down, looking round at places I've been. There's a diner on the corner. Let's go. See what he's up to, what he's got going on. Please leave your mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, we will. Uh, we'll try them later, man. And uh, in that place, we'll uh, we'll get T-Bone. Then. Mr. T-Bone. T-Bone. We can do sports anytime we want to. Whoop, whoop. It's time for. Uh, you know that sound? It's time for sports with T-Bone's timeout, or as we say it here, it's T-Bone. Time out. <laughs> I, uh, I was catching some old Chappelle show. <laughs> I gotta love this over Chappelle. the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one where they, Chappelle was doing a study about the effect of electric guitar music on white people. <laughs> 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 and they just couldn't help but start dancing awkwardly. <laughs> And that's how I feel every time I hear that intro to T-Bone's time. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, man. I, I, uh, I also love the, uh, the blind KKK. Uh, <laughs> Clayton Bixby. <laughs> Clayton Bixby, exactly. Oh, uh, classic. Hey, Chappelle classic. <laughs> It really never gets old. It I, does I, not I, get old. I mean, <laughs> the man who was before his time. Yeah. So what's on tap, brother? Well, you know, uh, we've got some exciting baseball action going on right now. Uh, tomorrow begins the uh, beginning of preseason football for the rest of us. You know, Those outside of the states of New York and New Jersey get to enjoy some bad preseason football their own starting tomorrow uh beyond that you know there's some golf shenanigans in play that nobody 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 really cares cares about Um, you know uh i just kind of got my little alert today you know tiger pulled out last week because of his back talking golf (laughs) yeah he doesn't he doesn't do that other thing oh okay he's reformed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, he plays golf. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes he does other things. He's actually going to uh, try. Uh, he's going to try to play the last tournament, the last uh, big tournament of the year, uh, to start tomorrow. That's right. The PGA Championship gets yeah. going tomorrow, and he, Tiger says his back feels great. Maybe not great, but he says no pain. Pain free. Pain free. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a there's a difference. There definitely is a difference. Oh, he's ready to go now. Uh, <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> Back to you. Let's try this again here. 
Good evening. Good evening. Anthony Davis on the line, a five-time NCAA champion out of USC, uh, NFL, CFL, USFL, as you said, all the FLs. How's it going, man? I'm doing okay. Doing fine. I woke up this morning. There we go. <laughs> and so, a lot of people waking up. Huh? That's half that's half the battle right there. A lot of people ain't waking up. started uh, with, with, with sports talk here and it, I know it's a sport you don't play but uh, you know uh, last week uh, during a tournament uh, Tiger Woods uh, had to withdraw because <laughs> of his back his back was uh, he had his what, back what was the phrase you used earlier? Uh, it's the same <laughs> surgically repaired back Ish. and, 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 the, uh, and uh, he, he left in pain and whatnot and, uh, but he's gonna uh, he's, he's gonna play tomorrow starting tomorrow We'll try it again. Uh, what do you think, man? Do you think these injuries, these uh, back operations and things like that, uh, is it worth trying to get out there, uh, you know, after after things like that? First of all, let me say this to you, you know, your audience li- listening, and, and maybe they can try, you know, maybe they can get where I'm coming from on this. I think I think Tiger Woods is dealing with a whole lot of things. First of all, yeah, his injuries are floating, especially the back. I think off the golf course, I think he's still reeling and hurting for the breakup of his wife and not seeing his kids. I think what he went through emotionally and mentally affected his game. I think that what happened off the, off the golf course with his wife and the separation and the, and the whole scandal with these women has a major effect on him to this day. And, and, you know, and, and as being a former professional collegiate athlete, I know when you're not in the game emotionally and mentally, it affects your game. So in combination with everything, I think all of that's affecting him. And, and the way it went down and how he was, as you remember, before he went down, he was doing great. Isn't it ironic that when he split up with his wife and he says his kids not around, that his whole game just went south. I mean, he's won. He hasn't been win like he used to before that happened. No. So I'm just saying, I, I think it's both both the, the mental, emotional, and the physical, physicality of him that's affecting him. One compounds the other. Yeah, and I think that's a great point that one does compound the other because I think, you know, who knows how many of his physical injuries and ailments can be traced to the fact that he's not got the same focus. I mean, you're putting your body through an incredible amount of strain when you swing your golf club the way he does. I mean, the reason he's been so successful for so long is because he's a finely tuned machine in that respect. I mean, he, he can do things... And if you do them right, you know, the way that you know, doctors draw it up, you can do it for a long time. But most people don't do it right, which is why it's so hard to begin with. But also, well, when you do it at the level he does, you if you do it wrong, you can seriously fuck yourself up. Well, and right. and how many times, you know, has somebody gone to the doctor and they're like, oh, there's really nothing wrong with you. It's like, oh, no, I've, I've got all this pain in my back and it's this and that and as we know, stress can introduce a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he was under quite a bit of stress <laughs> for a while. You, 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 <laughs> you have to remember also, too, he's changed different people in what, who was working with him as well. Yeah. That has to be a shock, too, as well. I mean, even though he's training, he's going through injuries and his off the court stuff, the golf course stuff. Look at the people he's changed in, in training. That affects him too. I believe if he can go back to the original guy, I think he'd be doing better now too. 
Well, he's that's he's, a learning he's, that's he's a changed, learning curve. We keep changing people. He's changed caddies and uh, swing coaches numerous times throughout his career. I mean, he had the uh, he's had he's I should say numerous. He's had several of each. Uh, I think, and it, it didn't really uh, take away from his golf game previously. Uh, I think you you know you guys are onto something there about the you know the whole breakup, and he was I think he was injured at that time there too. So. I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of it has to do with, the, like you said, with the, both the mental and physical injuries. Absolutely. I mean, he hurt his knee. He hurt his back. He had the problem. He had his breakup with his wife, his kids. He's changing all the caddies. I mean, you know, to me, all those dramatic things that have happened will affect your play. I mean, he just, he, you know, he's just a human. You know, he ain't no Superman. Dude, he plays some super golf up to those times at times. But isn't it ironic that all this stuff just fell in, the, in his lap at the same time, one after another? And I believe that's what I think that's what he's battling. Well, let's 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 talk about another another injury as well in sports and, and your thoughts on this one. Uh, <clears throat> uh, this guy from the Pacers, uh, Paul, Paul George. Paul George. Yeah, yeah, Paul George from the Indiana Pacers. He, he trashed his leg. Uh, he's out for the season, playing in uh, basically what they call a, what an inter- international play, um, uh, representing the uh, you know, U.S. I understand uh, the international play during the uh, you know, during the Olympics, but uh, off Olympic years, do you think? Uh, I mean, these guys, I know like, they stay in shape by playing their sport, even in the off season stuff like that. But competitively uh, d- during the off season, is it uh, is it worth the risks? First of all, I would never do that. The, the, the NBA season is too long. I wouldn't even do anything outside of that. See, I wouldn't do that at all. First of all, after NBA long season, it breaks most bodies down. Look at LeBron James. He went to what, three finals? The USA situation? You know? Hey, hold on. That's a, that's a lot of baseball, and that's a lot of stress on your body. Yeah. Then, you know, as strong as these athletes are, those bones and muscles get fatigued. And it's, Period. It's, uh, it's hard. It's, 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 like you said, it's hard on the body to play a full season in any sport, uh, to, play, to play competitively in between seasons. Uh, it's got to really take a, a major toll on guys. And I know it's a freak accident. He, he kicked uh, his leg, hit the, right. the stance, stanchion and stuff. But still, you're, you know, the, the, the body needs time to, to rest and, and heal and, and all those kinds of things uh, before the next season. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I, I see a guy who has not been on an Olympic roster yet. Right. Hasn't made his mark been part of the Team USA to go for gold, you know, real gold. And maybe he was looking at that as here's a chance for me to have this opportunity legit in two years. I mean I don't know I don't know what his frame of mind is. I, I think that, you know, for the most part these, these international competitions aside from the Olympics kind of Kind of whack, whatever. Well, here's an interesting thing. <laughs> I mean, there's you a, get there, a chance to play for Coach K out there. You know, you're doing. I think a thing. there was a. I think there's a time and place for these uh, uh, in the past, but we have so many international athletes playing in the NBA. You know, regularly, regularly during the regular season. That uh, I, thought, I think in the past it was a good chance 
for their other countries to showcase some of their athletes and see how they see how they matched up against you know the U.S. athlete in the NBA type situation. But half those guys, half those guys are from other countries anyway. So they play against each other. They compete against each other day in and day out throughout the throughout the uh, regular season. Yeah. Then uh, it's almost not a necessity. You might leave that for the collegiates. I think. I, I guess that's my thought. But that it's not really there. I mean, as much for that level. Right. And, and granted, you're right. The NBA has become such a global brand at this point that, yeah, the the competition for those 82 games plus playoffs is international competition. I mean, you've got guys from Spain and Argentina and China and all these other places out there every day bringing it. And, I mean, it's it's a more global game than football by a long shot. I mean, it's not the same thing as, you know, European soccer, but it is a it's an international game. And these things, they may be a bit of a thing of the past. Um because who who watched this? <laughs> Everybody after the fact. Who, who knew this happened before they read about it on ESPN? Good point. Um, that's 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 more of a telling issue, I think, than anything else. Like who who knew this was happening? This tournament was happening. So you're, you're right there. I think there this is a little bit of a vestigial thing here. Andy, uh, you know we've we've talked a lot about baseball and. and teams and the Dodgers and such and, and you know baseball is notorious you know traditionally had this uh, the farm the farm you know the farm clubs and, and guys come up through the ranks and stuff like that for a short period of time we saw kind of a similar thing with NFL Europe um, do you ever see anything like that coming back in the NFL well you know I just believe that there's more talent out there. I don't know. It's, it's a mystical thing everybody puts out. Well, this guy's not good enough. This guy's this. He had to go to Canada. He got released. Let me tell you something like I told you before. There's many guys out there that can play in the NFL. Pete Carroll proved that. There's guys walking the street that can play in the NFL. I think he should come back, you know, because there's a lot of talent out there that's not getting an opportunity. Let's look at the Seahawks. Half those guys are fifth, sixth-round draft. Those are free agents. Some from Canada. Come on. They say they couldn't play. What's gang of people today? They need another outlet to, to be able to, you know, you know what I'm saying, have an opportunity for these guys to, to play. Yeah. Well, they have these taxi squads now, but you got guys on taxi squads that can play. See, the thing about the NFL, especially with you got some guys that guaranteed money, when you got big contracts and guaranteed money, you know, a lot of that, a lot of these guys can't move because of the money. So, for example, if Jerry Jones don't give a guy so many millions of dollars and, and most of it, and a lot of it's guaranteed, he's not going to put this guy on the bitch and bring a, 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 a practice player up. Right. And this guy might be as good as the next guy. So a lot of things, a lot of these guys are talking about these contracts and money and all this kind of stuff. And it's political. And then and 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 it's become very political because there's so many guys out there now. That's just a fact of life now. They, so they need another outlet, another league for people to play. Now, the other outlet is Canada. Okay, which I've seen talent up in Canada playing in the NFL, so that's a myth too. <laughs> well, we've actually had some. I mean, didn't uh, Kurt Warner? Uh, was it Kurt Warner? Yeah, he was playing. He in was the playing arena in, league. He was playing in arena league. I mean, so we've had. We've had guys you got guys. You got guys. You got guys in the league. league can play in the NFL too. That's a myth too. They can play in the National Football League too. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. It, it's even though the NFL has expanded. You know, it's gone from what eight teams to now we're at thirty. 32 teams, the the population of the United States 
is enormous. I mean, we're talking about 350 Absolutely. million people. Well, what Absolutely. When the NFL started back in the 20s, we were you know, maybe 100 million, if that. What I, what I liked about the NFL Europe is... And from is, there, half the people weren't allowed to play. Yeah, but what I, liked about, what I liked about NFL Europe was guys were attached to an organization. They were attached to a team. You, 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 you'd see a guy out there, and he'd wear, he's wearing like a Rams helmet, or he's got kind of Rams logo. Yeah. He was attached to a team. It was a cool thing. Where with, the, with, with all these other leagues, uh, the arena, I mean, not all these other leagues, but with the arena league and stuff... You're not you're not attached to any NFL team, so you're not. It's not really like a farm system, and that's what I liked about the NFL Europe was it kind of it was kind of a farm system, and and, and you're you, you you kind of were invested in a guy. Ad. Yes, sir. Uh, another question on the NFL. Uh, Ray Rice. Uh, there's been you know he had a two game suspension for. Uh, the situation with his fiance at the time, his wife now, where apparently she was uh, he knocked her out uh, allegedly in an elevator. Uh, they, didn't, they saw him dragging her out of the elevator. Um, she was knocked out. Uh, he uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, his, his suspension was uh, too short because uh, he's Ray Rice. But on the other on the flip side of that, I heard other uh, pundits say it was appropriate. That it was only two games because he'd never been in trouble for anything before. What were your thoughts on those in that situation? Well, I think that's a legitimate suspension. He's never been in trouble. The only problem is with social media and these cameras, and you can't do anything. And, and nobody really knows what went on inside that elevator and what started and stuff. Yet and still, you can't do with that. I think it's appropriate for what happened to him. I know a lot of these women groups out there are really against it. You know, come on. I mean, it is what it is. And I think it's appropriate. He's paying the price. I mean, something he's got to live with. He's got to talk to his daughter out. His daughter's going to be going to grow. But one day he's going to sit down and tell her what happened because it's going to come up. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, so far as I'm saying, if it was two, three, or four, it's just, it's, this is a legitimate punishment. Yeah. You know, because let me tell you something. This, this guy in the league done far worse than what he's done. Absolutely. You know, I mean, come on. So, I mean, uh, who knows? The woman might have got wild. And it, it might, might have got out of hand, and alcohol's involved, obviously. Yeah, you know, passed out. I, I, I don't think it matters what we don't know happened there. I don't think anything excuses what he did. But I also think that the people that are weighing in on the suspension, the people that are saying, oh, two games isn't nearly enough, they have no clue what they're talking about. And there's no there's no accurate scale to apply to this. I mean, there there is no objective measuring stick where you say oh he beat his fiance or he knocked her out he needs six games or two games or like there, there's no there's no precedent and there shouldn't be this is a situation where this is a guy who is by every account a legit stand-up guy he's he's he screwed up royally and he has owned he made it he made a mistake man i mean and, and i believe and he's owned it he, he has He's owned it, and, then, and, and, and how do you how, how you think how, how you think his wife feels? She's embarrassed, watching herself be drugged out of the elevator, and you know, and and, and she's a couple of bone actually getting still. He he shouldn't have ever did what he did, but they're both embarrassed, and they both are dealing with it. Yeah, and I, that's that's one situation where I I just despise the people that want to jump on everything and say we need to make this. The, we need to make this the banner poster thing for our cause. It's, I mean, this is not about your cause. This is about this this family. I mean, back the fuck out. Huh. This family. Ain't none of their business anyway. Yeah. 
Hey, do you, do you have a, did you have something? I, I, I've kind of dominated the uh, the subjects tonight so far. Did you uh, did you have something you you wanted to uh, bring to the table? Excuse me. I said I've kind of dominated the uh, the subjects tonight. Did, did you have something you wanted to bring to the table? No, no. I'm, all I'm doing is getting listen. I'm getting ready for the tilted kill. I want everybody to come sign up down there and see the fifty. You see the fifty. The, all the fifty televisions there. That's what I'm getting ready for. I'll be down at the tilt tilt on the twenty third, and then I'm getting ready for the USC football season thirty. So I'm getting all the photos ready so I can sign for the public. That's all I got going right now in, in, in my daily routine. What's your favorite I'm, item to sign? Oh, the jersey, uh, a, football, a helmet. What, what? I like I like signing the jerseys and, and the helmets. Yeah. I don't know why I like you that. Don't like football. Football. Is, is it too, too lumpy, or what is it? Well, I mean, I'll sign the ball, but I like signing helmets and jerseys. Yeah. And I, you know, and I really like, and I really like signing autographs with the kids. You know, I mean, it's just it's something about me and how I deal with children, and how you know they come up and they look at you, and how that one moment, those couple moments, can do something for a child. That's something that I, you know, I really enjoy and cherish. Or something. I don't know how. Some guys can rush off and push kids away because they were kids at one time. So I have a very passionate thing, and I love being around kids when I sign autographs. Mm-hmm. You know, kids remember that. I, 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 uh, I think I mentioned names on the air, but uh, I remember a situation I saw an actor back in the day, very prominent actor, uh, shoo away a, a little uh, 13, 14-year-old girl when she tried to get his uh, autograph. Uh, in the middle of nowhere, where it wasn't like it was uh, end up with ninety people around him, it was just like uh, just a few people around, and, and and they were all you know busy, and, and uh, I'll never forget that. And uh, to this day, I, I tell him he can kiss my ass if I see him. <laughs> I just thought it was so well, here's, well, here, here's the bottom line: is I said, look, man, one time you were a kid too. Yeah, you know, talking sports, and I and I don't care, and you're an actor, athlete, politician. Don't be delusional because, to put it this way, at the end of the day, we all come in here to come in, come in here the same way, and we all gonna leave it the same way. Okay, and you all gonna come in here naked. You gonna leave here naked. <laughs> well, let's uh, let me. And you know, and I'll say this to the man: you ain't no god gift to women, and the woman you ain't no god gift to men. And so, whenever you see a child or anybody who admires what you do, be it a football field, entertainment, singing, whatever it is, you give them the time, you give them the time because those are the people who put money in your pockets to make sure that you can do what you do. Don't be delusional because you're not all of that. You're only as good as your public. That's how I always, that's my whole model. If your public thinks you stink, you do stink. <laughs> but, if, but, but if the public thinks that you're genuine and you literally try to go out of your way, that's when you get respectability. Not only is a great, great athlete, you want them to think of you as being a great person on and off the field. That's what, that's what your model should be. I mean, some people might say, you know, AD, you're smoking some delusion, but that's what I believe. That's the truth. It, it is the truth. AD. Uh, and, like when I, and when I'm at the tilt to kill, it's for the whole season. And what I'm doing, I'm going to treat everybody like they're my teammates. And, you know, you know, I'm no different from any other human being, black, white, green, or whatever. Like I said, we both come in the same. We're going to leave here the same. And I just want to treat everybody on the same base. I've always been there. Now, I hear stories about how, you know, people see me on the street and say, well, you know, AD stopped and we were at a gas station. He spoke to me for two or three minutes. And to the point where people don't believe it because most people don't give people time. So I try to give people some adequate quality time if they really admire what I've done. 
Right. That's what I do. I've always been known for that. And I want to keep it up. Even though people try to put rumors out that I'm rude and I can be cocky. No, I've never done that. And I've never turned a kid away. Ever. I'm going to uh, I'm going to give all the kilt-to-kilt information here in just a minute, but I, I just want to get one last thought from you. Who, who are the teams to watch NCAA football this season? Who's the team to watch? Yeah. Well, of course, in, of course, in, in the FCC, it's got to be Alabama. Uh, in, in the Pac-10, Pac-12, I believe the team to beat is UCLA. Even though my school's FC, I know they rank 17th, but the team to beat far as my, with my money, for my money, is, is going to be UCLA. Because, I'm point, you, you can't deny that program, what they're doing, what, what Moore has done, Jim Coach Moore, anything can happen. But And then in the Big Ten, you, you're talking Ohio State, the ACC, we're talking Florida State. So I'm saying, you know, those are the teams that I think you got to watch, and those are teams that are not fall. Nice. And in the playoff, in the playoff system they have in place, I'm waiting to sell. I mean, they got a good staff of people on there, like Constantine Rice and all these people. But yeah, still, you need a full fledged playoff system. I don't care about this stuff. You need a full fledged conference playoff. It's not going to work. I, just, I mean, this is better than than, than, the, than the BCS. But it still got to get, they got to go farther and make it even better, in my opinion. I tell you what, uh, I still think uh, collegiate football is the best uh, spectator sport, uh, you know, there is, man. It's, it's just uh, something about it. I just love it. I love every minute of it. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we see some great games this season, man. The Tilt to Kilt of Orange will be taking reservations for NFL Fantasy Draft between August 1st, which has already come by, and September 3rd. So hurry and book your reservations. They offer free Wi-Fi, draft kit, and HDMI cables to connect your computer to one of their 60-inch TVs. Uh, you can contact info for the Kilt to Kilt Management at 714-633-5458. How many TVs you said they were there, AD? They have 50 of them. 50 of them. That's a crap load of TV. That is a crap load of TV. And you're going to be back there again when? I'm going to be there on the 23rd That's for the fantasy. For, uh, 23rd and Saturday for, for, for the, the draft. And then I'm going to be on the 30th for the, the kickoff for the USC Fresno State game there. And I'll be there the whole season doing that. Every Saturday for the way and home games. For all the USC pros and fans going to come out and talk football. With me, uh, I will be doing it because I'll be walking around the whole place talking football and talking USC football or whatever kind of football they want to talk about. Well, we look forward to it, and uh, we'll uh, we will definitely see you down there next week. Uh, we don't have a show next week; we'll be back in two weeks. So uh, we'll talk to you again in two weeks, AD. My pleasure. You guys take care. Thanks, Thanks talking to you, brother. Next time, AD. The great Anthony Davis, and uh, we always thank thankful to have him on the show. He's always. Very interesting. Got plenty of things to say. We always look forward to chatting with him each week. We're going to take a quick break. This is Michelle Mangione. What is a saint? Back after this.
of less fortune Would you offer up your smile Just for the love of it What is a saint to you? Are you willing to be nameless without shelter broke and shame?
This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take a deep breath in and let go of the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you hit that piñata into your neighbor's yard. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. So many comments on my comment. Hey, guys, check out my wait. new video game. Mom, what? Huh? Pew, pew. What'd you say? This huh? weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Talk Story Radio. Hi, I'm Tim from Kid Gramophone, and I'm awesome. You're listening to the equally awesome Swoops World. Ask her for drinks and for girls. She parts her lips as a Talking sports, but we're right in the middle of the T Bone's timeout. Back to you, T Bone. Alrighty, well, you know, we talked a bit about college football with AD on yes, we here did. tonight, and that's that's the first thing that really gets going. I mean, the NFL, we've got preseason, it started on Sunday. Preseason it, nonsense. It continues tomorrow throughout the rest of August, um, but college football starts in earnest that last weekend of August. Uh, building up to Labor Day, so starting on Thursday the twenty-seven something, twenty-something, we're really going to have college football most days of the week for the next four months after that, and that is just a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, it is my favorite sport. You guys know that. Everyone who's listened more than once knows that. Uh, it's. It's the best one. Yeah. It's the best spectator sport out there. And, and, you know, like, we get tweaks. You know, we had the BCS. Before that, we had the Bowl Coalition and the Bowl Alliance and then just the Bowls, period. Uh, and the, the AP poll and the coaches poll. Now we get this new four-team playoff thing. Um, I don't care what they do at the end. I mean, I don't. Because it's still... I hope they keep it small. Well, hey... Uh, I meant to ask you this last week, uh-huh. uh, because this time last year, we were talking in the news was the whole bit about uh, some of the bowl, uh, some of the conferences uh, going their own way, right? That was mm-hmm. uh, a kind of a theme that yeah. was in the background yeah, there. Max on, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good so, one, too. <laughs> so I haven't heard much about that this year. Uh, it doesn't seem to be as. Is it because they're waiting to see how the whole playoff things work out? If that's gonna I work out in their favor, or, or they just dropped it? Well, I think that has a little bit to do with it. Like, let's let's take our foot off the gas for a minute. 
there are some structural Because they were revving. They were pushing. Oh, yeah. They were definitely pushing. And that movement is still there. Um, the the new, you know, we the, the previous nomenclature was the six BCS conferences. Now we're down to the Power Five uh-huh. because the Big East, the former Big East, has officially been downgraded. <laughs> out of that upper echelon of football conferences, now that it's the American Athletic Conference, uh, they they just, they don't matter anymore. I guess you know they miscalculated. Yeah, and they they lost all their schools that were upwardly mobile. Uh, you know, Louisville has moved to the ACC. I think um, Syracuse and Pitt, who were two of their old old schools, have moved also to the ACC. I think so. Uh, they they've lost. Uh, some of the cachet that kept them around. So yeah, we're down to five big conferences now for football, and they are they are very much in discussions of how to move forward if they don't get what they want from throwing their bitch fits with the NCAA. Um, and so, what is it they want now? Well, the we knew last year they were talking like we want a bigger we want a bigger chunk of the bigger yeah, cut I mean, of and, the pie and they they're making the most money they already have the most money and right. they're making the most money still because it, the money comes predominantly from TV and they're the ones by and large who are on TV like the big TV games that matter i mean all of their games are on TV most of the big schools that have any kind of following you're you're going to have 10 of their 12 games on TV that right. you can find nationally somewhere whether it's on the different conference networks that are available now, or pay-per-view, if that's what it comes down to. But pay-per-view is it, that's not the big thing right. anymore. You know, that's that's going away. It's gone. It's going away as all the conferences and even individual schools get their own networks. So what the big what the big conferences want now is they want to be able to pay their players, and I. This is all in heavy quotation marks. They, <laughs> obviously, they're not they're not out there fighting for the right to give away money. Right. But they want the they know they have the means that the opportunity to don't. incentivize. Yeah. Then they they have the means that other schools don't to say, oh, we can give you as soon as the rules get rubber stamped, we can give you a full cost of attendance scholarship. And that's the big thing that they're pushing for right now. The Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, they want to be able to offer a full cost of attendance scholarship. Because right now, they can give a scholarship that covers tuition and room and board-ish <laughs> and a book Books. allowance. Right. Yeah, And it still doesn't... I mean. Go to college and realize, and you when you go to college, you realize that no matter what number they put in front of you, it's not enough. <laughs> you want to have a life, and these guys that are college athletes, yeah, sure, they bust their balls. They have less free time than damn near any other college student, but they should still, you know, they're not. They are not allowed by the NCAA to have a job that earns more than two thousand dollars a year. They can't even jump on a golf cart. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> they, they're not allowed to make income on their own. It's kind of screwed up. That part is. I mean, I don't think that they need to be paid on top, whatever. Uh, and a guy that, you know, Amir Abdullah is a running back for a Big Ten team. And he was the Big Ten student-athlete speaker at their football media days. He was good. Last week, yeah. 
He's he, he is a very smart guy. He's the youngest of nine kids from a Muslim family in Alabama. Uh, <laughs> he's sharp, man. That kid and is sharp. He is. He absolutely is a very sharp guy. And he, he he said straight up, like, I feel like I hit the lottery. You know, I get to go to college for free and play a sport I love. I don't buy this whole exploited athlete thing. Um, but I mean, aside from his views on that, this, you know, he he's a, a, a player who's out there to work his ass off and get better and make his team better. Yeah. Um, but the the. I don't think that these guys need to be making, you know, $30,000 a year or any any number on top of what they're getting compensated already. I think that though I think that a true cost of attendance scholarship at least is fair. Like if you're not going to let them have an outside job to make money and you're going to punish their parents for helping out their roommates, like <laughs> which we've seen with SC players in the past. Right. If you're going to put those different weird screwed up restrictions, then at least open the door to eliminate all of the basic real costs of attending college. And that's one of the things that these big schools that make big money and really have driven this sport, they they want to get some of these silly rules out of the way. Because I, ideally, all these rules in place, they come from they come from a good place. They come from... Nice intentions. Like, let's make everything fair. But everything's not fair. <laughs> and nope. It's not fair, and it's not going to be fair. And to add more rules ju- that don't punish the source of the problem, they punish the people who are just there. They punish the, the bystanders. I mean, these players, they are the central part of the actual sport. And yet they're bystanders in this in the sense of why USC or Alabama or Ohio State is different compared to Kent State or Alabama Birmingham or San Diego State. The players that are there any given year, they're not the reason that those programs are different. They they're there because those programs are different, but they didn't cause that. And they're the people who get punished one way or another because of these these uh, perceived disparities. That you know, granted, the disparities are real, but it's it's just a weird, silly hypocrisy. The whole the whole NCAA structure for making things fair, and so these these bigger conferences are still they have plenty of plans that are drafted and ready to go <laughs> when the when the straw breaks the camel's back. I mean, I don't think it will happen this year. I think you that you make a good point that things have kind of hit a lull in terms of yeah. That. I mean, know, because we, last, we last year the, this time yeah, they were really the, the pushing last, it. The, the last like three years, the conferences have all you know, <clears throat> teams have been jockeying around, moving conferences, and um, it's been a tumultuous period for the sport in general. And this year we've got an actual systemic change that. I think we'll quiet that stuff for the time being. And then we will see a year or two of this. And I mean, it's coming. It, it's a matter of time before it happens. Because the NCAA, for everything that they try so hard to do well and to, to be doing the right thing, they can't make rules for all these different schools that, that work for everybody. It's, it's just 
it's different ball games. It's, yeah. It's like trying to apply. It's trying to take Major League Baseball and AAA and AA and loop them into one thing. Here's the. You guys can't use bats that are wood, and you guys can't use bats that are aluminum. You can piss somebody off. And you guys aren't allowed to use airplanes to travel, even though you have the money to do it. I mean, it's right. It's kind of silly. So it's a matter of time before some bigger changes come about. Um, I think when when they really start to kick up dirt again. It'll be at least a year or two before that dirt settles. But I'm looking forward to at least a year or two of relative stability on the college football fight. You know, we got this new playoff toy that we're rolling out. We're going right. to poke around and see how it works. But um, in terms of on-the-field competition, very few rule changes this year, which is nice. <laughs> I was actually reading... Uh, the summary, the National Football Foundation does a summary every year where they talk with the college, the, I don't know what his official title is, but he's like one of the chief officiating guys of college football. And they summarize the big rule changes, you know, the, the rule changes that you need to know if you're going to watch games this year. What's different than the year before? And they are all pretty, pretty commonsensical rules you know they're not moving where they kick the ball off from this year or where they put the ball after a touchback what's, up? They're what's an illegal hand maybe i mean if they if they did that i didn't read it because i just probably skipped over it just raise the height well, of the height that's an interesting thing because that one isn't that's like soccer it's not standard i mean different schools have you're talking oh, about the crossbar talking about the actual because the, the uprights are not the same height at every every on stadium the, on the NFL level I think. At the, okay that could be an NFL thing because there they should be standard but yeah in college especially when you when you get away from those big five conference schools Some of them are wider, you see they're, they're not wider but shorter. they're shorter definitely yeah. and when they're shorter they, they look, look wider okay. definitely so like some of these schools it's like is that a high school goalpost? <laughs> high school goalposts are wider, and college goalposts are wider than NFL goalposts. That's you know, that's legit. You're not imagining things. Um, all you people out there listening, don't let your eyes deceive you. But that's one where they're not deceiving. Um, but yeah, the uh, the targeting rule in college football, where guys get a 15 yard penalty and get ejected from the game for you know not being nice. Um, in the last couple of years, they would review it and say, oh, no, you didn't target him. You're not ejected. But the 15-yard penalty <laughs> stands. Exactly. This year, thankfully, when they put that play up for review and they say, no, that wasn't targeting, he's not ejected, they will also get rid of the 15-yard penalty. Unless they can also say, oh, no, you didn't target, but you – Hit the guy early when he was going up for a pass or trying to catch a kick, or you know, he had already thrown the ball and you hit him two steps after. So if it's like what they called a compound that, penalty, that, that rule is so subjective. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, but and that's the tricky part when you try to put it to words. I mean, you know, ideally, define it. You would like to think yeah. of it the way that the Supreme Court thinks of pornography. Can't define it, but know you know it when you, you see, see it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, 
Uh, unfortunately, people that watch these games are generally partisan one way or the other. Yep. <laughs> College football in particular attracts a very rabid and objective subject. There's a few neutrals. The NFL, you get a bunch of people who are like, oh, I like fantasy football and I want to see a player do well. but you know. or, or this guy's played, I really like this guy, and now he's on his fifth team. So mm-hmm. now I'm cheering yeah. for that team. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where in college football, you get people who are rooting for laundry, as Jerry Seinfeld would say. You know, they want their uniform to do well. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't care about fair play or the guy who's wearing uniform or whatever. They want their, their color to win. Wins. <laughs> and that's part of what I love about the sport, to be honest. But it does make for a situation where you have a less objective set of eyeballs it, on the it has whole. less objective but what you have though is like Peter says people are cheering for a player and uh, you know he's been he's on the trading block now now oh I gotta get rid of all my green bags <laughs> buy some uh, which is great for <laughs> merchandise sales yeah, yeah but I tell you coll- collegially on the collegiate level that, that it, don't, it don't go it doesn't mm-hmm. change man <laughs> which is my, why the college my is- grandpa was a fan my dad was a fan I'm a fan mm-hmm. <laughs> And Swoop and I come from formerly opposite ends. Now it doesn't matter. You know, now that rivalry doesn't exist anymore. No, but, it doesn't. But, uh, it used to be know. big, though. It used to be mm-hmm. huge. Back when you were a kid? Yes. <laughs> Taylor's read about it. When we came across that <laughs> The great surround. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> ask you what you think about needles, but I already... I know what everyone thinks about needles. Even the people who actually have to resign. <laughs> They're like, what wrong turn did I make in life? God, what have I you done? Yeah. You've done something wrong. Some badass karma catching up to you. But, you know, well, all these college football teams and their, their university presidents and athletic directors are comp- contemplating the future... Uh, the teams themselves are just opening fall camp right now. You know, they've got their 105-man rosters that have actually been cleared to show up and practice and all that fun stuff. And, you know, they're starting to actually smash into each other a little bit. And um, like we said a little bit ago, games will get going Labor Day weekend. In the meantime, the NFL preseason shenanigans are taking place. Uh, Peter... Are you going to get to a Dodger game before the season's over? I, I've already been to two. I mean, are you going to get to another one? Is what I mean. Um, I hope so. Uh, this, I was tr- I, my thought is to get to one before because both my kids are coming. Uh, their birthdays are coming up, and so that's always a good birthday gift. So I was thinking, <laughs> good birthday gift for dad. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's the gift that everybody loves. You know, he did contribute to their birth. Yep. Uh, Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, I'm pretty sure on at least one of them. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> not, I mean, I'm pretty sure. I, but, you know, I'm not positive on anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not. But, so, yeah, I. that's usually a really fun end of the summer thing that we have done for the last couple of years, mm. three years or so. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Because once the kids are back in school – then you're really running out of time, and then you got to go on the on the weekends, which are tougher games to to go to. Yeah. Although, if you can make them, they're they're oftentimes the most interesting games mm-hmm. because, of course, the season's winding down. So, 
I expect they're going to make at least one more, but I, I haven't got, I haven't purchased any tickets to anything yet, so we'll see how that all goes. So, well, how about you? We're going to game next week. We'll oh, minor, yeah. minor league game in the... Uh... 66? No, no. You're going to do it to the Bricktown Ballpark? Yes, indeed. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yes, indeed. The OKC? Yes, indeed. Nice. Yeah. We're going to be playing Iowa. Cool. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I've got one more Dodger game on the horizon. I think it's the last weekend, last series of the season. September oh. 27. Uh, yeah. Playing the Rockies. The Rockies. And I've, I've been bequeathed a ticket to that. Nice. So, Good for you. Yeah. It should be should be interesting, you know. By then, I fully expect the Padres to be contending for a wild card spot. It's radio, but I'm still going to shake my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have to say, though... They are now only, I think, eight games below 500, which is the best they've been since, like, 12 games into the season. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it sucks because they have such a great ballpark. They do. <laughs> beautiful stadium. And, you know, a lot of the beautiful stadiums that we have now look like other beautiful stadiums. You know, For instance, yeah. San Francisco, great ballpark. But... You could smack it in, you could put it in downtown Baltimore or not downtown. Well, I was going to say, I've been, I've not, I haven't been to. But it's the same stadium. Right. I haven't been to the, the new San Francisco Park, AT&T, whatever they call it nowadays. Um, I've been to Candlestick. I, well, I, and I have been to Candlestick. Uh-huh. Um, but I have been, yeah, it was a dump. But <laughs> oh, I have man, been, I, I have been to uh, Camden Yards. And I was there like two or three years after it opened. I was like, mm-hmm. wow. This is gorgeous. And right? they, I give them credit for being the first. Yes. Because now. They did it. And then everybody. Every, it seems like everybody else is like, hey, let's. That was a great idea. Let's do that. San but San Francisco, Diego didn't do that. Yeah, San Diego. They went a different way. They went a different. You know, I've been to many games in San Diego. And, uh, and I've. You know, when I'm there, unless San Diego is playing the Dodgers, I cheer for San Diego. So I've cheered for San Diego many times. And, and left disappointed probably many times. Many times. times. <laughs> um, but i got to say, they did it right, man. And they've got a beautiful location. Mm-hmm. And they made the most of it. And they did something. As far as I've seen, I haven't been to all of them. But I've been to enough of them to go, that's, you know, that's... It's own thing. I like it. I'm that's, happy. That's every time cool. I'm there, I'm, I'm like, this is cool. I was happy every time I was there but once. But, uh, other than that, I yeah, you were behind a post a pole one time. Who sticks a pillar right there? <laughs> a beam. You know, that's a freaking, what do you call those guys? A city, you guys who approve the plans, the planning division? He goes, no. Call them rubber stamp jobs. You need a beam here. They're like, well, no, we got a seat here. Nope, nope, structurally you need a beam here. So then instead of saying, well, we're going to be out one Let's redesign this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just go, okay, he said we need a beam here. And some poor sap's going to buy a ticket who doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a mess up, man, yeah, for sure. Man, that's majorly messed up. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, the, the Doyers with the walk-off, I, 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 can't, I can't in good conscience call it a walk-off. I mean, it's a walk-off error. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was yesterday. There, there was a play at the plate last they just night. Won. They just beat, they just won. Oh, did they? Yeah, just about. Oh, okay. So, nice. Very good. Give a little Stoyers. Yeah. 2 1. 
Last night was an exciting game, though. Kershaw. It was a good game, Kershaw though. Kershaw got the start. Uh, 4-4 going into the ninth. And uh, I don't even remember. Who scored the run? Uh, Andre Ethier hit it as you won Rive, who yeah. scored the actual run. Who? That's the interesting thing, is that to get to that point where the error made the difference had all been good baseball from the Dodgers' point of view. You know, like a guy had gotten a... Uh, Spoken like a true... Uh, no, no. Politician there. No, no. The guy had, the guy had, everybody, everything previous had been bona fide hits. And then here comes this moment where, like, I was surprised the guy didn't go for the double play. Because uh, that could have happened. But, you know, I also understood you had six guys in the infield. So you go for the home plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that ball was a double play ball, as far as I'm concerned. I was like, I thought that's what we're going to try to do. But he goes for home. He goes for the guy at home. And uh, throw was a little bit up the line. It wasn't a bad throw, no. but it wasn't a great throw either. Just just enough that Uribe could make contact with the glove. Yeah. And oh, that's something I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I don't know how much baseball you've been watching, uh, but I know you're, you're a fan, so I know you've been watching some. I find the game has deteriorated to some degree as far as plays at the plate. Talking about the latest rule changes, yeah. And the way that runners are not. You can allowed. tell. You can tell. Like everybody doesn't know what to do. They get all squinch butts. Yeah. So yeah. You like. What's, what's the change in the rule? Can't you're not allowed to plow over the catcher. You're not allowed to, and the catcher's not allowed to block the plate. Yeah. That's so the most interesting part so of the there rule. Are, there are technically restrictions on both sides. People really wouldn't know what to do. Huh? Mm. Well, a whole bunch of people don't know. Because <laughs> yeah. even last night, I mean, the, the way you're talking about adults, the, it's like the way you're talking about came football in. and how these guys are, yeah. they've learned to play a game a certain way for 10 or 12 You could tell the way Uribe, Uribe came in, he didn't know, can I can I run into this guy? Because in the past, that was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. Man. It was a no-brainer. Was like, I'm going to collide, and I'm going to block. I'm the gonna catcher is going to block. And honestly, <laughs> if it went that way, he would have beat the ball, and yeah. he'd have been safe regardless. But now... You could tell the catcher's like, well, I can't stand in front of the plate, so now he's doing this sort of like ole. Uh-huh. I'm going to catch so this. He barely gets the ball in his glove. Because he's because in the past, what would he have done? He'd have totally moved mm-hmm. in front of it, which would have then been blocking the plate, and Uribe would have done what? Plowed into him. And then you just wait till the smoke clears. If he's still holding the ball, yeah. he's out. What I found interesting loose, about that play. Safe. What I found interesting <laughs> about that play last night was afterwards, everybody. So Uribe goes through. The ball gets knocked out. Uribe hadn't even touched the, the plate. He had to come back. He had to come it. back and touch the plate. And yeah. you could tell at some point everybody, including the umpire, the, the umpire, including the umpire was like, what the hell? What's going on? <laughs> and this is not the first time. No. I have seen this. In this in Where did this, you see this? This was last night. Time Warner I was on the. Uh, they were on the Fox Sports last night. Uh, I don't have that, but I was on the special. Uh, I was uh, watching it on the special. Yeah. The special means as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did that? So, I, guess I don't have any more, so I need to get that back for me. <laughs> like I'm playing cards with my brother's kids or something. <laughs> but this is not the first time I've seen this this year, where you've had these instances where, oh my! In fact, in fact, when that ball was hit, Tracy, my <laughs> wife had had left, sort of left. Right? No, that's that's Tombstone. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is. It is she had really sort of, yeah. sort of gravitated away, and I said to her, "Oh, come here, play at the plate, play at the plate." And so she rushed back in, and there was no play at the plate. It was, it was one of those moments where, like, that's an exciting moment in baseball. Yeah. And then afterwards, you could tell everybody was sort of like left, like, 
Well, what just what what just happened here? And it was. I think yeah. that's a problem. I think. Well, I mean, I understand why they did I, it, but I think, I think the they've umpire, made a mistake the umpire here. Umpire did everything right. Absolutely, in, in the moment, based on the know, rules, right? And you know, he didn't touch the plate on the way in. So he didn't. He didn't. So he did. Have but he hadn't been back. tagged. Yeah. So he, he obviously, obviously hadn't gone out of out of the. Uh, Oh no, he stayed in. Stayed in he was in the baseline. The yep. baseline yeah. He knocked the ball right out of the glove. But again, yeah, he knocked the ball out of the glove because the catcher was having to reach it was out there left across the line. Yeah. Which in the past he would have he definitely just, moved just, all the way in front. He, the ball right here. he would have used his tools of ignorance. Yeah. And there would have been a whole big collision. Yeah. And then you would have seen did he hold the ball? He's out. Did he drop the ball? He's safe. It would have been really... And there were guys that were good at blocking the plate. Yeah. I mean, uh, and there were good Yeager, guys that smashing the plate, right? Because Yeah, Jaeger was good at blocking the plate. <laughs> Solskjaer was pretty... There was another guy who used to lay his leg... Johnny Bench? Yeah. There was Johnny Bench is a guy who... Who, who could, who could block the plate. Was not Johnny afraid. Did you say Tony? Johnny Bench. Oh, he's not like he said Tony Bench. Like no, no. <laughs> Johnny. It's Johnny, man. Johnny <laughs> Bench. No. So, anyhow, I... I and yeah. Again, it's not the first time I've seen it this season. Yeah. And yes, you know, if Carl, if yes. they, granted, I, what bugs me the most is the impetus for this whole thing. Buster Posey got his ass laid out and broke his leg on a completely clean legal play. Right. And there was such an uproar that they changed the rules about it. And it's like, you know what? This has been okay for 120 years. I mean... Yeah, and this is a sport that really prides itself in tradition. tradition. Yeah. So, but this was a year where they've tossed tradition by the wayside in many ways. Like right. I, I was watching the Padres game earlier yesterday against the Twins, and a guy bunted for the Twins and was on his way down the first, and the first baseman for the Padres stuck his glove out and just maybe grazed the back of the runner's jersey as he ran by. But the runner also deviated outside of the running lane on the way to first. You could see it all on video. They called him safe at first base. And the Padres challenged it. And they ended up winning. They called the run- they called the runner out. And, you know, here we are. We're in August. And they said the Padres are now tw- uh, no, they, they're 11 of 20 on the season on challenges. And I was like, holy shit. They've cha- they've had twenty, 20 challenges. challenges. <laughs> it shows how I mean, even if you watch baseball fairly frequently, there's an awful lot of things that you can challenge in in baseball. I mean, and granted, there are many less games. I mean, many more games. So and they they've played, you know, they've played almost a hundred games now, and you know they've had for having twenty challenges in a hundred games. That's <laughs> Pretty good compared to the NFL, but uh, it's a whole different ball game than it was even a year or two years ago. Oh yeah, it's, it's just the only the only constant is change. I guess. <laughs> I would say, I, say. <laughs> I would say something about death and taxes, but I just don't <laughs> like talking about either of those things. So let's take a quick break. Yeah, and, let's uh, come back and. Uh, this is from the Talks Radio Network. Uh, let's listen to some ultra billies. This is called "I'm Still Standing." Back up to this. <laughs>
Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Rebecca Romaine. As a former model, I used to walk runways all over the world. Paris, Milan, New York. This is Salif Diara. As a local health worker, he walks the pathways of his village in Mali, West Africa, every day to help treat severely ill children. Like many children in the developing world, those in Salif's village are threatened by common illnesses that kill millions worldwide. But unlike villages without a local health worker, the children in Salif's village get the care they need to survive. And even though you can't walk in his shoes, you can help him with his work. Help one, save many. See where the good goes at goodgoes.org and find out all the ways you can help get the good where it needs to go. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hello, this is Lady Vijayjay, and you're listening to Swoops World Radio. But not that hot, I don't think. You know, it's an important conversation that we were just having. Absolutely. It is. And it's what makes the world go round. Every year, some, you know, wannabe internet intelligentsia try to quantify sports movies for instance and I know this is a conversation we've had but it's worth revisiting every now and then because they're always coming out with new movies yeah we get new, <laughs> new movies and new sports movies in particular and uh, you know I'm going to throw out some categories that we maybe haven't covered Ooh, all right. in the past hottest sports movie female star anybody are you talking about the blind side? Yeah. Susan Sarandon. <laughs> and Bull Durham? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. so Swoop says Sandra Bullock in the blind side. She's just smoking hot. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's true, she is. And, and Peter says Susan Sarandon in Bull Durham. Yeah. I think yeah, about it. What is her name? Annie something. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's Annie. It's Annie, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's crazy. She's obviously in the movie. She's batshit crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bulldog. Bulldog. Oh, oh. The the first words of the movie, I believe, are "I believe in the Church of Baseball." Yeah. And you know from there that like <laughs> you're my kind of crazy. You're, you're right. fucking crazy. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. There, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even remember. Well, George, you didn't come up with what she looked like in that movie. Yeah. I just know that she's hot and she was in a sports movie. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. You know, it, it is a tough question. I will be completely honest. Um, now, there was another movie. It, it wasn't a very successful movie, I don't think, but uh, I did see it. It's called uh, Mr. Destiny with Jim Belushi. <laughs> no, James Belushi. The one who didn't die. Jim. Yeah. Jim, right? Yeah. Okay. 
He was great in about last night. Well, he's a funny guy, <laughs> but he's not as funny as his brother. Yeah, that's, that's a tough. That's a tough uh, part to be. Yeah. It's like being another Swayze. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, so, Mr. Destiny, and it's got uh, what's that? Some actor, some. He's been made a, a a lord, right? So he's an English actor. Oh shit! Anyhow, that narrows it down. Yeah, I know, right? The chick that's in it is uh, at some point she all she just shows up in like fucking lingerie and she's hot and she was in so bad with names obviously <laughs> she's in that fourth lethal guy with the chain fourth lethal oh, weapon the fourth lethal weapon no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. third doing fourth you're thing. in trouble I know right I know because I can't tell you you know what I'm going with the hottest chick in a in a, uh, in a sports movie go with Artie Lang in Beer League <laughs> I've got a few for you. Right. I can't pick one. In fact, two of them are in the same movie. All right. Uh, <laughs> I have Kathy Ireland in Necessary Roughness. I've never seen that, but I know who Kathy Ireland is. Terrible movie. It was all right. That's pretty good. It was actually kind of funny. It's a football movie. For those of you who aren't familiar, a, a college football movie, and it is just ridiculously awesome. Um... <laughs> And then, for the program, I've got Halle Berry and Christy Swanson, who, if you're not familiar, was the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, anything with Halle Berry in it gets a, gets a, gets Halle a Berry two thumbs is, up. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason I watch Extant. <laughs> the last what's, that, what's that one movie where she's... Uh, Silver, silver something. Is this the one where uh, Swordfish? Swordfish. Swordfish is. Got those weird. uh, John (laughs) Travolta. Who? What? (laughs) It's got Halle Berry. Thank you. Topless. Topless. Halle Berry's who? Top of the roof there. And at some point, she's in like a bikini. Is. It's, there, apparently, John Travolta's in it. That's probably yeah, okay, too. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's a, Actually, it's a, I think it's a uh, Scientology-based um, uh, book. It was based on a Scientology We're talking about different movies. It's got Halle Berry in You're it. talking about that battleship something. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about, yeah. With the, with the, with with the, the space the, dreads. Space dreads, yeah, yeah. 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 Halle Berry's in that? Maybe, I don't know. But well, I know what, it, I know what he's talking about. Swordfish, yeah. yeah. It's like a computer hacking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Computer hacking. About, Hugh Jackman's in it. She's sitting in that lounge chair, uh, the chase lounge. Yeah. <laughs> I know the movie. With the, with the little yeah, reflector. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. She's yeah, yeah. tanning. Because she doesn't want the undersides of her bosoms to be less. Nobody likes that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. so gauche. That's just, <laughs> you don't want to do that. In a perfect world, they'll be moving so fast that you wouldn't be able to tell a difference between different tanning areas. I, I work on that all the time. You like them. The perfect world, I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, Not take your time. Yeah. Inspect it all. Take your time. And then. Afterwards. And then. Afterwards. Because then you can suggest improvements and whatnot. But, you know, like in the moment, there's. You know, it's just. Susan G. Just get it done, man. <laughs> But Swordfish is not a, a, a sports movie. That's so not a we've, sports movie. We've obviously <laughs> More of a computer moved off on a, some sort of odd tangent here. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Breasts are always a tangent that are that is worth moving on to. And always related to sports. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Because I mean, when you're out there on, yeah, when you're out there on the football field, 
if you're not thinking about football, you're thinking about tits. You're looking at the stats. Absolutely. <laughs> Derek Jeter can attest to this. A-Rod can attest to this. Pretty much anyone who's ever played for the Yankees can attest everybody to this. But, everybody but Clayton Kershaw can attest to this. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you get, when you get married at 18. Yeah, but he's still... He's still into his, his woman, though, right? <laughs> Hopefully. You know, I mean, they seem to be happy. <laughs> not, not my problem. For sure. I wish him the best. And he's uh, pretty much getting He pretty much best. is the best. <laughs> you know, I love breasts. I think they're a wonderful thing. Oh, a wonderful thing. I had a very awkward conversation this weekend about them. Are you talking with, to your mom or what? No, might as well have been. <laughs> I turned the same color I would have if I had a conversation with my mom about breasts. I was talking with a couple of, of uh, young mothers, and breastfeeding came up. And I was talking with one young mother of an adopted child about the whole process of adoption and she was like you know she's a sister with several other sisters who have biological children and she wanted to breastfeed her adopted child but you know it doesn't really happen <laughs> not without some serious hormones <laughs> so, so so there are mechanics was that iq the person you were talking to <laughs> there are workarounds in place that are just Mind bottle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All trapped up in a bottle. You know, you know what we, we, we need to do? We need to hang out with this guy. We just need to shadow him. You need, yeah. <laughs> For like a, a few days. It's going to be a lot of what the fuck? <laughs> Something involving the equivalent of a camelback. <laughs> Or milk with the tube that comes around, <laughs> and you basically put it right next to your nipple. This is for some attachment purposes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a whole lot of work. Yeah. That, that was the conclusion that even this mother came to. This is too much work. Um, but the next conclusion was that you can still just honk on my nipple all you want, even though you're not going to get anything out of it. But I'm not going to fill the milk bag anymore. <laughs> Shit got weird, man. <laughs> got weird. <laughs> I was trying to. Give, I was trying to give the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> and shit got so weird. I was just like, uh, I got called out. How did this conversation even? Oh, I'll have to tell you off the air. All right. <laughs> but I got called out during the course of said conversation for being. For turning red. <laughs> Don't you dare try to make me the weird person. <laughs> you took it there. This is not you're my fault. You're the one with the camelback. This is not my fault, but I'm uncomfortable. Now, if you'd had the camelback, that could be... They uh, have those things for guys. You see that? Uh, like, they, not, not the breastfeeding thing. They shouldn't. They, they have the, the, the thing so you with the, with the pregnant thing so you know what your woman's going through. You see that? You guys no. supposed to wear these nope. things? Oh, yeah. I, nope. There's a lot of weird shit out there, man. Sounds like it. There's a lot, there's a lot of people who get sucked into it. Yeah. Sucked in. Yeah. Sort of like pulling out. 
some NFL preseason football tomorrow oh. night, one way or another. Uh, Major League Baseball is really hitting its stride. We've got pennant races in place across all divisions. And there's a ridiculous number of teams in the running. Yes. You know, this is our second. This is where I think uh, Major League Baseball has done right. I they, mean, they, we talked about earlier where they've done wrong. Yeah. yeah. But this is somewhere they've, they've added just, I think, just the right number of playoff spots. Last year was frustrating because they, they realigned the leagues and it was like we get interleague play every year and, you know, I mean, every day. See, I can live without that. And, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that, that could go by the wayside. But, you know, we have an extra wild card team now in both just, leagues. Yeah. The Padres aren't. I mean, granted, they're only they're in third place anyway, but they they're By very, time, very much alive in baseball. Generally, say five generally, eight years ago, fifty yeah. percent of the teams the were teams are done, done. And, so and now fifty percent of the teams, at least statistically, are in it. Yeah, I think it's more than fifty percent. I think it's sixty yeah. percent almost. Yeah, because I think it was more like forty sixty before, and now it's like sixty forty. And that's what you it's want, right? You want to know is, that it is if your benefit. team goes on some crazy run, mm-hmm. which in baseball is totally, totally oh, yeah. plausible. Uh, and sometimes you make don't that. even need a crazy run. You just need a team above you to have a crazy dive. Right. That's a good point. Any Mets fan out there knows <laughs> Absolutely. all about. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think baseball's done that part of it right. So uh, you, as you said, baseball's moving into – we're getting time. into high gear. Um, yeah. You know, the the playoffs in baseball are not as elaborate and elongated as basketball or hockey, hockey. or football. <laughs> even, I mean, in terms of the time it takes, you know, calendar wise, it might be about the same. But well, right, because the season's so long. But there, you know, there are less teams that get into the big, the big show, the big dance in baseball, and. It should be hard to get into. It should. And it, you it, should it, have to it, pay more than 500 ball to get into it. Yeah. And for the most part, that's every is... once in a while that happens in baseball. <laughs> well, when was the last time we actually had a team under 500 get in? I think I it was mean, the Dodgers. And it was like 10 years ago. Eight years ago? Because the Padres won the West in like 06 or something. And I think that was the year the Dodgers made it to the, the, cause the playoffs mm. as the wild card team with the less than 500. I, I think so. I don't know. Something I don't know like if we've that. had a sub five hundred wild card. That'd we have once. No, maybe not. Maybe you're right. Maybe a division winner. That was the it. Padres were a terrible one at eighty two and eighty. That was bad. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that was like really that was embarrassing for the yeah. whole like for the state of California. We've earned our share of embarrassment here and there. That was. <laughs> we're doing good now, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> Get a run with it. Yep, it's true. So, <laughs> except base- for Padres. No, they're they're okay. Even they're doing okay. They're okay. They beat the Twins today. Suck at Minnesota. <laughs> that was something I was going to talk about before Minnesota when we were talking with uh, our our guests tonight. You know, I, I've had my share of uh, soul searching odysseys when you try to figure out your family's past. That's a that's a hell of an undertaking. Did you? Are you playing music right now? I was, I was looking something up. Did you cut me off? No. Are you gonna, cutting me off? No, you're still live in there. Oh, okay. That's fine. Sh- <laughs> 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 are, are you playing the wrap it up music? <laughs> Do I need to thank my parents and God right now? <laughs> no, this is a, it's always my funniest. Uh, the Dodgers and the Padres. Uh, I, I got to go back to what year it was. <laughs> it was, uh, what year was it? It was, 
1982, right? The Dodgers and Padres had this whole thing. And uh, they were playing the Padres, and they said something to Tommy Lasorda about pitching the Kurt Bavakwa. And he said Kurt Bavakwa couldn't hit water, water if he, he fell, fell out of the fucking boat. And of course, who hits the game but he don't run? <laughs> Tommy was always great for quotes, though, man. Yeah. <laughs> And that one made it into a movie. So, There's the whole Kingman. Yeah. Remember that one? He just, that was one of the most famous tirades he went on. It was in the, it was in the, uh, it's all Stark, I think. Like, Fucking Kingman! How do you, somebody asked him, some reporter asked him, how did, how do you think Kingman hit today? Fucking Kingman! He fucking hit, he fucking, he hit a fucking, he fucking, he fucking hit a fucking 3-1 fucking home run. How do you think I fucking think he fucking did? He fucking did, he fucking killed us. He fucking. So it's like one of his most famous like tirades where he just goes off and he's like, and then he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you asked me how he did and he, he fucking, he fucking killed us, man. He f- a brief moment of clarity. Who was that he went to one time? He went up to, he went, he went out to the mound. To get the ball, uh, the switch pitchers. Who is the pitcher? The pitcher says, I, I still got this. He goes, the fuck you do. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Sutton. I think it was Sutton. Oh, you're going to picture it so big. <laughs> yeah, Donnie, uh, uh, Dom, uh, Tommy Lasorda was, uh, he was good. He was good that way, you know? It would be a whole lot better in today because you catch a lot more of this. We don't have the Sparky Anderson. But then he probably wouldn't have done it. The Sparky Anderson, the Tommy Lasorda's, the the Billy, uh, uh, what's his name? Martin. Billy Martin. Those guys were fun managers to watch, man. They they wouldn't last today. No. Joe Madden Madden is the closest thing to those guys today, and that's because he knows how to play the stupid 21st century social media side of it. And those guys would have just given that two big middle fingers. I mean, my my JV baseball coach, for for all of his eccentricities, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was an old school baseball coach. I mean, you know, he, he kicked dirt and he cussed and he spit and said all the right things at all the wrong times. <laughs> but I mean... But he made his players have fun, and he made umpires not want to be there. And that's what baseball coaches are supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays, we've got ESPN and, you know. And we've got uh, uh, the, the Review, the, uh, uh-huh. right? And all, the, all these folks out there to ruin everybody's day. And baseball was a sport. At least baseball doesn't throw a, a fucking. There's no red hanky. Yeah, no red hanky. Yeah, but kicking, kicking. But no, you know. But at least there's no red hanky, man. There's still a place to kick dirt. It's just when you know that you don't have it on video. It's like I could pick up the phone and probably get this. But for those times when you know you're probably not gonna get it, you still gotta go out and kick some dirt. And that's what I love. That's why I used to love football. I mean baseball when you used to watch the yeah. 
Watch those managers have a meltdown. One is, yeah. is who long. Was it, was, it Billy, was it Billy Martin that picked up the base and flung yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> more than <laughs> once. Lupinella did that a few times. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah, those were good and times. And, you know, man. if you don't pick up the base and fling it, and you don't call the umpire a cocksucker, you're probably okay. <laughs> sort of bum endo? Yeah, or if you do the belly bump, or you pick up a base and fling but, it. But when you do the belly bump, your hands have to be over here. You did it to me. That was right. you. Yes. Yeah, but you, you, you hit me. You can't question his eyesight or his, uh, or his mother's <laughs> chastity. You can't, the word bastard can't come up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Buddy, man, we're yeah, running man. over. You get yeah. that? <laughs> Wrap me up. Tell them Tommy sent you. <laughs> Another edition of T-Bones! Full night, uh, night. Uh, no show next week. We'll back. We'll be back in two weeks. Our guest is Art Zavala, returning to the show. Art's been on the show before, so he'll be here on the twentieth, August twentieth. We'll be back, and uh, that's about it, man. We want to thank uh, Walter Dominguez and Shelley Morrison for joining us tonight. Check out Weaving the Past: Journey of Discovery. Uh, they're going to be playing at the Lam- the Lamel. Is it Lamel? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Pasadena, because there's a few of them. Pasadena, uh, August 15th through the 21st. First. So if you have a chance to check that out, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It's a wonderful movie, and uh, you'll enjoy that. I want to thank Anthony Davis for joining us, as always. He'll be at the Tilted Kilt uh, of Orange, uh, Tonkatella, and the Tilted Kilt of Orange is taking reservations for NFL Fantasy Draft between August 1st and September 3rd. Book your reservations, contact them, and... Uh, Check that out. AD will be there multiple times during the collegiate football season. Anybody got anything uh, outstanding uh, happening coming up? Nope. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> it's an off weekend. Well, there you have it. Uh, thank you, uh, Dave, for uh, ch- joining us in the chat room. Those of you who listen to us on TalkStream Live and all the other ways to listen to us on the Swiss World apps, truly appreciate it. Dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. Good night. The views Peace. and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.